Welcome to the On The Edge Podcast with your host, Scott Groves. All right, guys, Scott Groves here on the Edge Podcast. We've already been drinking for a while. Me and my buddy Jimmy Ferris, F-A-R-R-I-S, because you're going to want to Google him when we're done. So Jimmy has been a friend of mine for a couple years. He is an ex-NFL wide receiver, which is weird because he's built like me and he's a white guy, but he was the first prototypical um, Patriots small white slot receiver. We're going to talk about that. Uh, Then he gets out of the NFL, runs for office as a Democrat, God knows why, in Idaho. Uh, Then he became a professional coach. He wrote this book, Be a Pro, which uh, if you're looking for the cover of this book, it might look a little different because he's had a couple iterations. But Jimmy's just an all-around good guy. He's one of my many friends who is a common-sense, classical liberal, not some crazy batshit progressive. He played in the NFL. He ran for Congress. He does awesome shit. He's a good guy. He's way younger than he looks, which pisses me (laughs) off because you don't drink and you don't smoke and you work out all the time. So tonight, I'm making him drink and smoke just to make him look older and more fucked up. But uh, Jimmy, what did I forget in my 60-second Reader's Digest introduction of you? I I can't think of anything. That was probably one of the best introductions I've ever No wife, no kids, no no dogs yet? Close? Not yet. I'm close. Uh, Got an amazing girlfriend um, who's in law school at Stanford. Damn. So she's much smarter than me. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Uh, I Have, lose. Having good teeth and being in good shape helps if you're going for a Stanford, yeah. like, grade A plus prime girlfriend. But I'd lose every argument. Oh, yeah, you're fucked for yeah. the rest of your life. Yeah. She's in law school at Stanford. You'll I, never I, win an argument I've again. I've said to her before, you're not trying a case in front of a jury right now. So <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but, man, life is good, and um, I am... You know, I know it's almost cliche. I'm super happy to be here because you and I have been friends for a while now, and I've watched this podcast grow, and I've seen the the great guests you've had on, and uh, we have such good chemistry that I knew this would be an amazing fucking evening, an amazing time on this podcast. So you did get me a little tipsy. There you go. With some vodka and squirt, which I've never had, courtesy of your, your wonderful yes, wife. My Mexican <laughs> wife, who only drinks vodka and squirt. It's the most <clears throat> ghetto thing, but you're like, oh, that kind of actually sounds good. I, I, I love squirt. I hadn't had a squirt in probably 10 years, but I'm a vodka drinker when I do drink, and so... The squirt, I was like, that could be a really interesting combination. So here we are, and I'm I'm happy to be here. Yeah, yeah. Kudos to my wife, Karina, for cooking. Who, by the way, she's so self-conscious about her cooking because her mom is like a world-class Latina, Hispanic cook. I mean, my mother-in-law, if I lived with my mother-in-law, if we lost everything and I had to live with my mother-in-law, I would be 350 pounds within a year because she's such a good cook. Yes. So my wife's super <clears throat> self-conscious, but she just made a badass steak dinner for us. And it was I, incredible. I yeah. know. And she was like self-conscious about it. She was like, I just threw this together. I wasn't prepared to cook dinner. And I was like, this is amazing. I she was like, know. for dessert, we only have fresh food and a cake and something I spiced up. And I was like, honey, like you're doing great. You're she awesome. did amazing. It was incredible. I was more than pleased. <laughs> so you and I met a strange situation. We both end up in Colorado as guest coaches at an event. Shout out to our buddy, Isaac Stegman. And Isaac calls me last night. Now, mind you, we're in our 40s. He calls me last minute and he goes, uh, he goes, hey, buddy. I'm like, yeah. He's like, the hotel's sold out. I'm like, okay. He's like, and we overbooked for the coaching event. I'm like, okay. He's like, can you share a room with my friend Jimmy? And I was like, are you fucking high, bro? Like, first of all, I'm coming out to this thing for free. (laughs) The very least that I'm going to do is get an awesome room in some ski resort in Colorado. I'm going to watch some TV. 
I'm maybe going to do a little jerking off. I, I don't want to share a room with some other grown man. Like, that's the shit I did when I was, like, in my 20s, and I was broke, and we were all going to Vegas together. He's like, no, trust me, man. You and Jimmy are going to get along. I'm like, I don't care who he is. I'm not sharing a room. He's like, you'd really be doing me a solid. I'm like, all right, fine. I'll share a room with this motherfucker for four days. And we end up staying up to like three in the morning yes. the first night we met yes. talking about religion and politics and what does a minimum guaranteed contract in the NFL yes. actually look like. And when they announced that Tom Brady's making $30 million a year, how much is he actually making? And I was like, oh, dude, this guy's going to be one of my lifelong friends, and I'm so glad that Isaac like set he, up a play date. <clears throat> Isaac has uh, an incredible intuition about things like that because he said the same thing to me. He invited me out, and he said, hey, I'm going to take care of your room. I got your room in with this guy, Scott Groves. You're going to fucking love him. You guys are going to hit it off. And I was and I was thinking the same thing. I was like, I'm 44 years old. Like, I don't really want a room with anybody. I just want to fucking chill, you know. And then we meet and we, we chat down there at the little fire pit. And then we yeah. get up to the room. And you finally were like, dude, I... I got to go to bed because I got to get up early. I got to go do this thing. We talked for probably two or three hours about just what you said, politics, football, uh, business, high performance, women, all of it. And everything. And if you remember, I said at one point in time, Dude, if we ever got on a podcast, we'd fucking go for like three hours. I know, I know. <laughs> and here we are on a podcast. And so. my poor son flies in tonight. Hey, sorry, Jonathan, you're going to be taking an Uber because nobody's sober enough to come pick you sorry, up. Sorry, buddy. Um, oh, shit, this is my alarm. What's my alarm? Oh, this has now happened three times in a row where my alarm to take my vitamins and floss my teeth because uh, these are like new habits I'm trying to do develop. You have, what what app do you use? Do you use like habit? I have an app. It's funny you say that. I use this app called Habit Tracker. Oh, I like that. That does the exact same thing to me. And this, if I can pull up my notifications and show you, okay, can they see my notifications yeah, right you, there? You can throw. You can show it right there on the camera. Habit app habit. says drink more water, like, oh, I like be that. healthy, right? So uh, because I have one of my habits in there is drink a gallon of water a day. Dude, you know what my my new favorite app is? Um, this is called uh, what is this called? This is called Zen. Oh, Screen Zen. It's purple. You'll see that it's called Screen Zen. This basically locks me out except for five times a day for six minutes. So 30 minutes total. It locks me out from Facebook, Instagram, Telegram, Signal, WhatsApp, all the shit that I waste time on. Cause like, yeah, I'm never gonna be skinny. I'm never gonna drink like a gallon of water a day, but I can spend more quality time with my family before I die. So I'm like, all right. If I'm not going to take my health seriously, I can at least cut down the four hours a day that I was spending on chess, Facebook, yes. Instagram on my yes. phone. I can cut it down to 30 yes. minutes. So between Habit Tracker and Screen Zen, everybody's life is going to get way better just for listening to this podcast. I think Screen Zen probably wants you to like use that time to meditate or do something like no, that. No, to something. smoke cigars and okay. talk shit with oh, my friends. Okay, okay. my it's, bad. It's my in bad. the app. Um, <laughs> all right, so first of all, tell us how a undersized 5'10", 180-pound white guy with red hair makes it to the NFL. Okay, okay. First of all, that was very <laughs> condescending. I'm a six foot, 195 pound stallion. Um, no, truly, yeah. Six foot, which at the time that I came out, so 2001, I mean, I'm an old guy, I'm 44 now. So my rookie year was 2001. That year, if you remember, that era of NFL football was all about the big wide receiver. Yeah, Plexigo Burris, 6'5". Randy Moss, yeah. T.O. You know, it was that. J.J. Stokes, who was a, another guy on the 49ers, 6'5". You know, yeah. that was what everybody was looking for. 
And so here I come out of college into the NFL draft, you know, six foot, 195, 200. And not out of like USC or no. Ohio State. Where'd you go to college? University of Montana. Yeah, University of Montana. Right. Where the fuck is that? Right. There's like eight people that go to that college Missoula, or what? Missoula, Montana, which is an amazing town, amazing school. Um, but I did not fit the prototype of what a, a, a successful NFL receiver or a high producing NFL receiver at that time looked like. Um, but one of the things that happened to me in, in college going to, a, I'm just going to mix Jimmy another drink. So yeah, more please, drunk, please. One of the things that, that, that was great about going to college at Montana was I started for four years. I caught a lot of balls. I played a lot of football. And so by the time I got to the 49ers, I was a really good football player. I was a really skilled wide receiver. And so while on paper, I didn't look like what they were looking for. The guys that got drafted that year ahead of me were all, you know, 6'2 and above. Um, just a different physical build than myself. Thank you. Um, but I was able to make the team in San Francisco and carve out a career for myself because I did all of the little things really, really well. And that's why, you know, one of my core beliefs, core values now is still that idea of attention to detail. And I think that really kind of encapsulates my NFL career alongside, you know, obviously the work ethic, the dedication, the commitment, the drive. It was the attention to detail, um, the focus on the craft of being a wide receiver that kept me in the league for seven years. So wait, when, when, first of all, congratulations, because I think the average NFL career is like three four, and a half, three and a half years, yeah. I'm say four and a half, but yeah. So when, when they say like football IQ or this guy's got like high basketball yeah. IQ, you just said, I got to start for four years and catch a lot of balls yes. at Montana, Montana, yes, Montana state. Um, is that what they're talking about when they're talking about football IQ? Like, you just got a lot of reps? Or yeah. what, what the fuck are they talking so, about when they say, like, oh, this guy's got good, like, football? I, I hate when they're doing that I know. for the NFL draft. Because guess what? I never played football. Yeah. Never made the NFL draft. And they're like, well, you know, this quarterback, uh, third string out of uh, Dakota State International, has, like, really good football IQ. I'm like, what the fuck does that, what does mean, that even mean, John right. Gruden? Like, what well, is football IQ? So imagine when people say something like, oh, man, this guy's got a really good business sense. He's got really good intuition. Um, he has a really good sense as a leader. He understands people. So apply that to football, and that's what they're talking about in terms of football IQ. There's an ability to, to kind of put together a knowledge of the system that you're running, right? So it, it's, a, it's a high level of knowledge of, of our plays and our system and what we're trying to do. Combined with a knowledge of, basic defense and what the defense is trying to do, what their look is like, Oh, Hey, they're in a, they're in a cover two. Um, they're trying to funnel these guys outside the middle of the fields where it's going to be open. Safeties are going to play a little bit wider. So it's understanding defensive philosophy and then being able to read that on the fly. Because one of the things about football, you see a lot of quarterbacks now, Peyton Manning kind of made it famous, you know, the checkoffs at the line of scrimmage, the Omaha, Omaha, right. kind of uh, making audibles on the go. There's a lot of times, Scott, where midway through the route, you know, you come off the ball five yards into the route, you're looking, you're running straight ahead, but you're looking over here and you see, oh, shit, this safety blitzed off of this side. That means something different to me. So now where I had a comeback, I got to turn that into a quick slant. 
So you're reading things as they go. And so the ability to process all of those things makes what pundits and people call a high football IQ. Basically a guy that can adjust on the fly. There's a lot of guys that are great athletes that can say, okay, on, you know, red, right, 575, I'm the Z receiver. I'm out on the right. I got to come back. 15-yard comeback. Okay, yeah, I no, I could that. never remember that, by the way. I would have been right. a horrible NFL receiver. But but that's really basic, right? But what happens when you get, you got to come back and you get a cover two. Okay, well, we're going to convert that to a go route versus cover two. You'd be surprised. Some guys, some guys can't make that. They can't process that. They can't make that adjustment. Right. And those are guys that are low, low IQ, football IQ type guys that, even though they're 6'2", 6'3", they can run 4'3", in the 40 and fucking jump out of the gym. They don't stick around that long because Brady's doing a 5'7 step drop and he's expecting you to convert that to a go route and you run the comeback. It's over. It's over. So, so if we think about like high school sports, if you try hard, you can do well in high school sports. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. in college, like if you're a freak of nature athlete, you can probably do well. But by the time you get to the NFL, like if you had to put a percentage on it, how much of it is like innate athletic ability? How much of it is, um, you know, intellect and having that football IQ? And how much of it is like work ethic? Like I always think of like work ethic, scheduling, showing up early, putting in the reps. Okay, you got to be fucking smart to know whatever the hell you just said. (laughs) Go the route, the slant, the comeback, the fucking go route. And then, like, obviously some of it's athletic. Like, you got to be fast, right? Like, if you had to put a percentage on it, those three categories, intelligence, athleticism, and, like, work ethic, what would you say it is for these guys who make the NFL or excel at the NFL? Mm -hmm. Because, like, Tom Brady is not a amazing physical right. specimen, right? right. He's, not, right. he's not Jamarcus Russell, who's just a freak of nature and could throw a ball 70 yards on his knees. Right. But he's clearly got the work ethic and the intelligence, whereas Jamarcus Russell, like, washed out of the league, yes. even though he could sit on his knees and throw the ball through the upright yes. from the other side of the field. Yeah. So, <clears throat> it's a little bit of a... Um, I, 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 I reject the premise respectfully. That's um, fine. We're going to do that a lot as soon as we get to, pre- to politics. Because because once you get in the NFL, it's already established that you're a physical fucking freak in relation to the general population. Right. Once you get there, then then there's now levels within that level. Right. Right. You but, mean you don't look like T.O.? Yeah. No, not quite. <laughs> Terrell Odes a freak T.O., of nature, right? Me and T.O. race. Like anybody that wants to go watch on my Facebook page, I think years ago I posted a video of me and T.O. racing in a 40 and I beat him um, in a 40. For the record, Terrell Owens, probably one of the greatest wide receivers to ever play the game of football. And just when you see him, he's a freak of Unbelievable. nature. I, I tell a story. I don't think, I think I left that out of my book, but I, I tell a story about my, my first day with the 49ers. So I, I grew up a 49er fan. My dad grew up in the Bay Area, so we watched 49er games. And so I was a T.O. fan when I was in college. He was a rookie in 96, which was my freshman year of college. So when I get to the 49ers my very first day, um, I'm nervous, obviously. You right. know, I'm in an NFL locker room for the first time, and I'm waiting for him to get there. We're getting dressed for practice. We're about to go out on the first day of practice in the first uh, mini camp the week after the draft and he walks in and 
he starts getting undressed to change to get into his stuff. And I'm sitting over there at my little locker, these little portable lockers in the middle of the locker room that they had for all the rookies. Because, like, by the way, at this point, you don't know if you're going to make the team at right? all. No, I've si- I'm an undrafted free agent, so I'd signed a contract that given me a five thousand dollars signing bonus. So it was like, hey, we like you enough to sign you. We think you were a good player in college. Let's see what you can do. Right. So you're like, this is legitimately like a paid tryout. I could be gone tomorrow if I f- suck in in practice today. Right. Right. You drop three balls today, you're gone. It's tomorrow. over. Right. Yeah. So I'm getting dressed and I'm kind of ready, you know, nervous and and I see To come in and I'm kind of looking like this over at him, you know, like. And he's getting undressed, and I'm looking at his body. And I remember thinking, I mean, T.O. was 6'3", 225. I mean, just shredded. By the way, Chris, right at this point in the podcast, you got to interject a picture of T.O. Please. Today, at almost 50 years old, he looks like he's ready to box a professional match tomorrow. This guy is a freak of nature. Yeah, so you can imagine what he looked like at 27, 28. Yeah, no. Um. I remember looking over there, and I just said to myself, holy shit, like, if this is what <laughs> NFL receivers look like, I might as well just go back to the equipment guy, turn in my gear, and go home, go back to the hotel. Um, what I did, though, which is one of the things that is still a, a piece of who I am today and what I do in every aspect of my life and my business today, is... <clears throat> I realized after that first day, we went out on the practice field, and I practiced okay, but I realized, fuck, I got to get a lot better. If I want a career in the NFL, yeah, I got here. That was the goal to get here, right? If I want to stay here and have a career, I got to get a lot better. And I had to get better, like, now. It wasn't like a slow journey, you know, a couple right. of years. I can, no, I needed to be better now. And so I... I I remember after the second practice on that first day, we had two practices, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. I was sitting there at the locker, same place, kind of looking at him, and I was like, you know, right there is the best wide receiver in the NFL. You know, the argument would have been him or Randy Moss at the time. Right. I'll take Terrell, Terrell, Terrell Owens all day long. I, I, me too. I'm Maybe I'm biased because he was a close friend of mine, but so I remember thinking, like, he's the fucking best. He knows a lot of shit that I don't know. So if I want to get better, if I just did everything he did exactly the way he did it to the best of my ability, I'd have to get better, right? Even if I didn't know why I was doing it or what was the, what was the thought process. If I just did everything he did, just copied him, I got to get better, I'm not going to be Terrell Owens, but I got to get better. And that's what I did. Wait, man. you're not a six foot three black right. man just shredded. Right. No? No. Okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. All right. But so what I did was I started watching how he did everything, how he, how he ran every drill, where his hand placement was, the way he caught the ball, the way he, if he did a little, uh, you know, little head nod here or a little stem there, I watched everything he did and I just copied it after practice. If he got in the, Cold tub, I got in the cold tub. If he was in the sauna, I was in the sauna. If he lifted weights, I lifted weights. If he was eating chicken salad at lunch, I did. And I never became Terrell Owens, but very quickly I became a much better version of me. And the proof of that was that first mini camp after the draft, and then that was in April, and then we went back in May for like a month for what they call OTAs, organized team activities. So I did that. 
So, hey, give us a timeline real quick. Like, when does the college season end? When yeah. do you get yep. drafted or undrafted? Like, how does that all work? So, my college season ended in late December. Okay. Okay. Of 99? Uh, 2000. 2000, okay. okay. So, coming into to, to January, February, March of 2001, I basically worked out at the University of Montana with our strength trainers and our coaches getting ready for my pro day, which I had uh, – 13 or 14 NFL scouts that came to Montana to watch me work out, run Got a 40 it. bench press, catch balls. It's like a mini combine. Yeah, so exactly. Cause I didn't get invited to the, to the combine that they hold in Indianapolis. You got to be one of the top couple hundred players in the country to get invited to that. So we held our own pro day at Montana. And so I ran my 40 and bench pressed and did the vertical jump and the short shuttle and all that there. So I was spent those three months working out doing that. Then the draft comes around in April. The draft happened late in April. The very next weekend. And real I, quick, how many players get drafted? So six I, rounds, five rounds? Seven rounds. I want to say it's like 256 players. Got it. And there's probably 5,000 college football players. Oh, easily. Yeah. Easily. Yeah. Hey, Chris, look at this. How many college football players are there in a given season? Yeah. So it's like you're talking about the top 250 yes. out of several thousand get drafted. Yes. But there's a lot of guys that has that have promised like you where you're like, hey, I'm going to spend the next six months working out, so maybe I'll get picked up by a yep. by a walk-on. I Look, I there was a chance that I could have gotten drafted in the seventh round. If the right team would have would have had a pick or uh, a team that liked me, um, somebody else that they liked got picked earlier in the draft, and they were like, well, that guy's gone. Ah, fuck it. Let's pick Ferris now. Right. right? You know? Um, because what happened in the seventh round, I started getting phone calls. From the 49ers, the Giants, Jacksonville Jaguars, um, the Eagles called me, and and they all said, hey, if you don't get drafted, we'd be interested in signing you as a free agent. It's called an undrafted free agent. So, so I've got a bunch of numbers here. NCAA participants, 73,712. That's all NCAA athletes. So how many of those are football Approximate players? number draft eligible is 16,380. Oh, so 16,000 football players in the, in the NCAA yeah. 250. And the number actually drafted is 254. There 54. Go. There you yeah, go. Yeah. Yeah. So you're talking, what's uh, what's 254 divided by 16,000, Chris? You're going to have to do the math. Like, I, I, <laughs> do it I, quick. I, quick. I have way too many drinks. No to iPhone do the math calculators. Uh, that's like, like uh, 0.015875. Yeah. So 0.15% of yeah. 0 0.01. Oh, 0 0.015. Yeah. yeah. So you got to be. The, the, this is why, by the way, just side note, when people are like, oh, bro, uh, fucking Alabama won the national championship year this year, they could beat Jacksonville because they went 2-14. and 14. No, they couldn't. No, they couldn't. Because everybody on Jacksonville made the NFL. Exactly. And seven people on Alabama exactly. made the NFL. Give me a break. Exactly. Dude. It's 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 a different... You can it's speak a, more. It's a... Look, I get in this discussion or debate or argument all the time with with college football fans love college football but i but i'm i i have such a a deeper appreciation for the NFL because when you get to the NFL you're talking about the best of the best at what they do this is the cream of the crop there are definitely guys in college obviously that go on to be superstars in the NFL i mean it, it, that's just the the um the way that 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 happens that's the process but Every guy on an NFL roster is like top tier. That's why it bugs the shit out of me when people, I, I friends of mine or fans will say, 
oh, some backup quarterback or some guy. Oh, he fucking sucks. I'm like, he's still literally one of the best in the world yeah. at what he does. Yeah. There, there are roughly 1,600 NFL jobs every year. 1,600 people in the entire world get a job in the NFL as a player every year. That's pretty fucking elite. <laughs> yeah. If you're the third okay. string quarterback on the New York Jets. You're, the, you're still the best. You're still one of the top, top 50 in the world. In the world at what you do. <laughs> right. You know? Right. Um, but so. All right. So the timeline. So yeah. you do you do your Montana uh, mini camp yeah. combine. So we do all we do all that. So we go to we go to we go to mini camp after the draft. Then we go to OTAs and. I institute this kind of this policy, this idea that I'm gonna I'm gonna just do everything To does. I'm gonna like literally attach myself with this guy's hip and just fucking copy him. Just and for context, To's obviously best in the league. How many other receivers are behind him? And then like to make the team, are you the fourth, fifth, yeah. seventh, twelfth best receiver? So, like so, I started that that mini camp number eleven on the depth chart. Number eleventh like, wide receiver yeah. on the team, and we had we had like twelve in camp. Okay, so, <laughs> so you you're, yeah, like, you're 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 barely there. And how many wide receivers, including special teams and shit, are gonna make the uh, are gonna make the roster? We kept five that that year. Oh shit! So like, not only are you eleventh out of twelve, even if you were six out of twelve, there's a 50-50 chance you're not making it. Well, so un yes, and understand this: the top three were already decided. Right, so you've got two. So it's basically two spots. So it was two basically out of nine. eight or nine guys going for two spots, and so um, yeah, I was way down. I mean, you know, by most people's estimation, no chance. I'm a, like Jimmy's fuck. I'm a camp body. I'm just <laughs> right. there to to take a few tackles, take, take a few reps away from the guy. When when Tio gets tired, you go run the route, whatever. Right. I let the, You were like, let the third string quarterback get his reps. That's right. So, okay. I didn't think that though. I I never thought that. Did you really not think that, or is this revisionist history? No, no, I, I, I never thought that, um, and that's that's a part of <clears throat> kind of the mindset. Um, one of the things that just kind of made me different. Like I never, I never thought that. I can remember vividly <clears throat> being in a like a twenty four hour fitness in Lewiston, the Lewiston, Lewiston, Idaho. Idaho. I'm Idaho, sorry, yeah, yeah, where I grew up. Um, the summer before I went to training camp. So this was July of 2001. We reported to camp like July 26th or something of that year. And I saw one of my old high school basketball coaches, a guy that I was close with, and we were chatting. And he, and he said to me, he said, do you really think you have a chance to make it? And I said, absolutely, I do. And he said, he, he kind of, same thing you said. He said, really? 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 And I said, absolutely. And I remember thinking about that as I was saying that, you know how you kind of, it's like that metacognition, like thinking about right. what you're thinking about. Right. And I remember thinking to myself, like, I know he doesn't believe me, but I know I believe what I'm saying. That, that given the opportunity and given my belief in myself and my ability to bend the will of the universe in my favor, I just think I've got a shot. And, and by that time, I'd already gone through this whole phase of, like I said, modeling Terrell Owens. And I'd gotten so much better to the point where when I went back to Montana, 
that summer. So I left San Francisco like June 15th when when OTAs and stuff were over. And then they basically said, hey, you guys are free. We'll see you June or July 26th or 28th when we report to training camp. So I went back to Montana to Missoula because I felt like that was the best place where I could train and get ready because the, right. the, the, the football team there was working out. I knew those strength coaches, whatever. The first day I was back, we were out on the field doing all kinds of agility drills and running routes and doing some stuff. After that workout, one of the strength coaches came up to me and he says, dude, what happened to you? And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, you look like a million bucks. Like, what the fuck happened? And I said, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's just, you know, that I've been training with guys that are in the pro, you know, I'm, I don't know. And years later, when I thought about that, I was like, that's what it was. I was around the best of the fucking best immersed in that environment every day. I decided that I was going to, going to do what the best player in the world, the best wide receiver in the world was doing. I was going to do everything he did to the best of my ability. Just copy greatness, right? Copy excellence, model excellence. And in six weeks, I'd made the type of progress that my former college coaches who'd seen me for the last five years. Right. In six weeks said, you look like a totally different guy. You look like a million bucks. I don't know. Like what happened? Like right. what the fuck are they doing in San Francisco? <laughs> right. That took you from where you were to where what I'm seeing right now. And in that moment, I was I, I remember thinking to myself, I got something here. Like I figured something out. Like I got a little key to success or something. And I I never forgot. I still do that to this day. Like when I ran for office, I was getting ready for the debates. Right. Never debated. I wasn't like a speaker at that point in time. I wasn't doing what I'm doing now, which... And, and for context, you ran for what? I ran for the U.S. House of Representatives in the 1st District in Idaho. Got it. And you made the blunder of running as a Democrat. One of the reddest states in the country, and I, <laughs> and I, and I fucking ran as a Democrat. Good job. Which I'm, which I'm proud of because I'm a proud Democrat. Still... Still, I'm not a lib. I'm not a. I'm not a. You're not a progressive li- crazy nut. I'm not. I'm not. That's I, why I love you, man. Because yeah. you're a classical liberal. You're I, not a progressive nutcase. Well, I, I call myself like a JFK Democrat, dude. Today, JFK would be a Republican, bro. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, Ronald Reagan would be a fucking Democrat compared to today's GOP. Fair. Totally right? fair. Right. And so, which is we got to get into that conversation. But I was I was getting ready for the debates. Never debated. Didn't know how to do that. So I, wa- I I got on YouTube. I went back into kind of my football, like film study type stuff, right? Got on YouTube. I watched it, JFK debate Nixon. I watched um, Reagan and Mondale. I watched uh, Bill Clinton and uh, Ross Perot and, and H.W. Bush. Yeah. I watched um, Gore and Bush. I watched... Um, Obama and John McCain. I watched, you know, anything I could get, I could see that was like, how are these guys that are really good debaters? What are their movements? What, what's their stage craft? You know, what are some of their hand gestures? How do they, how do they enunciate? How do they carry themselves? What are some of their one liners? And I just studied that shit. And I, and I kind of put together in a melting pot 
a little bit of JFK, Bill Clinton, Obama with a couple Reagan one-liners. And I went up on a debate stage and fucking crushed it because I'd modeled people that had done that really, really well. Do you have any interest in running for politics again? Or is that like one thing got out of my system, not for me? It's so tough now, man, because we're, we're, we're so far removed from productive, intelligent discussion or debate about substantive issues. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I started to notice that in 2012 when I was running, because if you remember, and I'm sure somebody smarter than me that's more into the history of American politics could, would, would say it really started in, in 94 with, with Newt Gingrich, you know, um, I really started to notice the divide in American politics um, in 08 when, when Sarah Palin um, was John McCain's running mate and you started to hear the stuff. If you remember the famous thing about um, <clears throat> the lady calling Obama an, an Arab and a terrorist or whatever and McCain took the mic from her and said, yeah, yeah. no, 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 no ma'am, no, yeah. no ma'am. He's a good, decent man, blah, blah, blah. Sarah Palin was out on the campaign trail saying all this bullshit. Um, and then it got worse in 2012. And then obviously the 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 Hillary um, Trump election, it just fucking went nuclear. Yeah, like how are those the best two humans we I have know, to offer I as know. a country? I know, I know. I agree. I agree. But like we could have <clears throat> we could have ran the dude who grooms my dog against me, and that would have been a more intelligent I know. like scenario than I know. Hillary As a Democrat, Trump. in hindsight, I wish we would have ran Biden in 2016. Yeah, Biden in 2016 would have beat Trump. Yeah. Because what, what beat Hillary, Hillary beat Hillary in 2016. As much, oh, as, yeah. as, much as the Trump machine had... had There's literally one person in, in U.S. politics that Trump could beat in 2016. Hillary. And the Democrats just happened to run her. I know. I'm like, know. what the fuck, bro? I know, I know. But it was her turn. Yeah, I know. It just feels like it these were turn. It feels like these were two trains that yeah. were like on the same track and about a hundred miles apart. Both parties was like, I know. Oh fuck, we're gonna have a train wreck. Yes. Oh well, they're already on the tracks. Yeah. Like I, I wish oh. we I wish we would have ran Biden in twenty sixteen because he didn't have, you know, the stigma of the Clintons. He didn't have Benghazi. He didn't have the the Jim Comey bullshit and the the he didn't laptop. Have, he didn't and have the Alzheimer's. And, he did. He didn't have. He, he was. He was six years younger than he is now. He was a right. little sharper. Right. Um. I. I. Boy, I don't. I don't watch press conference and stuff anymore with Biden. I can't. I can't. It's, I can't it's real do hard. It. I know. I and I'm a Democrat. Trust me. Like I voted for him. Um. I hope he doesn't run in 2024. Um. I don't know who we run in 2024, but. But the the point is, is that I I started to realize in 2012. I'll give you a quick story. Um. I was at a, a, a uh, county fair, Canyon County um, in Idaho. And a guy came up to me and he said, I'm an independent voter or I'm an undecided voter, I think is what he said, which he was probably lying about. Nobody in Idaho is undecided. <laughs> right. There's literally none. Um, he said, um, do you support Obamacare? And I said, uh, yeah, I, su- I, I support the general premise of the bill. It's not perfect. No bill is perfect. Right. I think it's a step in the right direction. I think there's a lot of great policy in there. I think it's it's something that can move us towards a better healthcare system than what we currently have. So my my short answer would be yes. And he said, um, well, you just lost my vote. And I said, okay, 
you know, tell me more, <laughs> you know? Right. And he said, uh, well, I'm a small business owner. By the way, this is why you're such a better human than me that I'd be, I would have said, cool, then how about you fuck, fuck off, off and eat a bag of dicks? <laughs> like, if I already lost your right, vote, right. doesn't matter what I say right. from now. How about you gurgle my balls and go leave me alone right. so I can talk to somebody who I can convince to vote well, for me? You're a better human than me. Well, I was, I was, I was younger than I am now, and I was extremely idealistic, which was why I ran, right? you know, as a Democrat in Idaho. I... I had this this idealism, this optimism that I could really do something, um, and I love myself for that. By the way, I don't, I don't, I, and that's a part of me that I yeah. I, what a great experience! Yes, it was it was amazing. Um, but so I said, well, well, tell me more. Tell me about your business. You know, what do you do? And I, I, if I remember correctly, he had like a small computer software business, and I said, how many employees do you have? And he said he had like thirteen or fourteen employees. And I said great news for you. The bill is very, very clear that any small businesses under 50 employees do not have to provide health care for their employees. That provision only pertains to medium size and larger companies with more than 50 employees. I said, so you're good. Because his, his, his thing was, he said, I'm a small business owner. It's going to put me out of business. So if you support Obamacare, you lost my vote because that, that, that bill is going to put me out of business. And I said, well, you're in luck because the bill says that you don't have to provide insurance for your employees if you have less than 50 employees, so you're good. And he said, well, that's not what I heard, right? The famous, that's not what I read. Right, right, right. You know, Fox News didn't tell me yeah. that. How about you read the fucking bill, you fucking idiot? So Sorry. I, yeah, so I said, well... I said, I can assure you that's what it says. If I'm wrong, you know, go on the radio and call me out, whatever. But I can assure you that's what it says. Right. And, and then he said to me, well, even if that's true, I don't care. I still don't like it. And so at that point, I, you know. Now you're in for a fight, right? Well, well at, at that point, what I said was, it doesn't matter. And that's still true today. Right. It doesn't matter what the truth actually is. What matters is what we want to believe. Right. And you saw that happen in, in the midterms two days ago, right? The Republican Party ran a bunch of candidates. And here I go. I'm going to get on my, my soapbox. This is my, my rant. Everything was set up for Republicans to have the red wave, the red tsunami. And they totally fucked that up by running idiot candidates that, that ran on the platform of the 2020 election was stolen and a bunch of other QAnon conspiracy type bullshit that, that wasn't true that they thought they could sell to the general electorate. And the general electorate said, we got a president with a low approval rating, we got record high inflation, got high gas prices. And the viewers and anybody listening, I'm sure could list in some of their other... Right, fiscal woes. Whatever. Right. And the electorate said, given all of that, they looked at the Republican alternative and said, no thanks. Right. To me, that is a massive indictment 
on the current state of the Republican Party and the type of candidates that they're running and the fact that the that, that Trump is still an albatross around the neck of the Republican Party. They should have won 50 seats in the House. Right. And they're going to win 28. Like they'll they, take they, they, they they'll, might they might have a 5 to 7 seat advantage. Yeah. They're probably if if they have a if they end up with a one seat advantage in the Senate they'll be lucky because I think Mark I think um I think Kelly's going to win in Arizona. Yeah, for sure. I think I think Raphael Warnock will hold off Herschel Walker in Georgia. For sure. Because Herschel Walker... I'm with you. I'm both God bless him, is a fucking idiot. Right. I think um, <clears throat> in Nevada, I think... Um, is it, Mas- it? Cortez Mas- Masto, Cortez Mastro, yeah. I, I think is going to... Uh, She's going to lose. I think she'll lose. Yeah. But Democrats are going to retain control of the Senate. And not because we... Well, I, I don't want to say because we don't deserve to. Because we do deserve to because Democrats ran on issues. Whether you like those or agree with what we ran on or not, we ran on a platform of the Biden agenda, which was the Inflation Reduction Act, which invested in, in um, clean energy, um, invested in prescription drug, uh, you know, caps on prescription, uh, different things that, that people liked. By the way, did nothing to curb inflation. Understood. But, it, but if you like the things in the bill, like if you like... Understood. You know, like whatever. You can call it the, Understood. the turd shit wrapped in bacon. But if you like the underlying policies, I'm fine. My, my, my thought, though, when people say like the Republicans ran on this and the Democrats ran on this, I strongly believe that, okay, that's great they ran on it, but 80% of voters just went down ballot R Absolutely. or down ballot D and they don't have any fucking clue Agreed. what any of the issues are. Scott... The the and I'll say this respectfully. I don't know how respectfully this this will sound. We are we are one of the I'll say this least educated electorates with all of the technology and all of the availability to information in 2022. We are the least educated voters in the history of this country. Totally agree. I agree that Americans are probably the least educated populace right now. And it's it's and we're voting um on identity politics is huge. And tribal tri- absolutely. Um we are more um dug in, you know, heels dug in and backed into our respective corners more than we've ever been. And the, the to me the biggest problem is that and, and Democrats included, because I've been a part of this in the Idaho Democratic Party, which I don't agree with much. It's probably why you asked me if I'd ever run again. Probably not. Because if you don't agree with everything your party stands for to the letter, you're fucked. Yeah. You're an outsider. Why did this become like a like a religious purity it test. is dude it, it 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 if you don't believe to the letter everything that the establishment of your party subscribes to you're you're out you're out and to my point that i made earlier i don't think we were on air when i said this like the far left wing of the democratic party i don't want anything to do with them right i don't want anything to do with that that wing of the party. Right. Um, 
And, and I'm sure there's a lot of quote unquote establishment Republicans that don't want anything to do with election deniers and QAnon and Pizzagate and all this bullshit. Right. But that has overtaken both parties now. If you ask a Democrat, what do you think about Republicans? They're like fucking right wing nut jobs. Pizzagate. Right. Election was stolen. Trump. And that's like, all this bullshit. And that's like 5% of them. Right. If you say, what do you think about Democratic Party? Fucking nut jobs. Yeah, yeah. Right? Want to want to castrate it, my son and right. give a double mastectomy to my daughter. That's it. My daughter. They and just, that's like, they, they that's want, like 3% of them. That's, you know. And, and that's where we're at in American politics. There's, there, I, you look back and you think, I remember when George W. Bush was president, thinking, man, George W. Bush, like, I, I do not agree with the tax cut in 2001. I don't agree with the fact that George W. Bush came into office in 2001 with a $230 billion budget surplus. And within two years, by 2003, it was a $430 billion budget deficit, right? Because he took the surplus and said, if we have a surplus, that means we overtaxed you. So he gave every American a fucking rebate check or whatever and followed the Republican line of, you know, pro-growth tax cuts, which is a total lie. We can talk about that. Tax cuts have never, except for Ronald Reagan, have never produced growth ever. All they've ever done is, is explode the deficit. Um, I, would, I would do anything for the George Bush version of the Republican Party to exist today. So let me push back a little bit. Please. Because I'm I'm a registered libertarian, but in many elections, I have a choice of voting for a Democrat right. or a Republican. Of course. So I vote for the Republican. Um, so to me, Trump is a reaction to the Democratic Party because, you know, there's this there's this really like um kind of like nostalgic love for Romney or McCain or whatnot. But I remember when I was, before I was a registered libertarian, I was a registered Republican. Romney and McCain, you know, with Romney, it was like, he said something to the effect of, you know, somebody uh, insinuated that he was a sexist. And he's like, no, I've got this binder, Binders full, binder of women. full of women. And they're like, they're like, oh, see, you are a sexist. So, right. it's like, so like, if you're a Romney or you're a McCain or you're a George W. Bush and the liberal media is going to call you a sexist, Yes. Tax dodging. Yes. Fa they called McCain a fascist. Yes. So it's like if the if the left leaning media is going to call them that, then what you're going to end up with is you're going to end up with a Trump type guy who says, "I don't give a fuck. You're going to call me whatever you want to call me. Yes. I'm going to take an axe to the political correctness because if Romney is going to be labeled a fascist and a sexist and a tax dodger and a blah 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 yes. blah blah, then what what motivation is there? for a Republican to be a statesman and take the higher road. Agreed. There no. is none. So you end up with Trump. And then Democrats are like, oh my God, how did we end up with Trump? Yeah. It's like, well, because you called McCain a racist, bigot, fascist, homophobe. Yeah. Like, if you're going to call him all the things anyway, why not actually end up with a racist, homophobe, bigot, tax yeah. dodger? You know, I never... Th I, I, that's why I love you, man. Seriously, this is why you're such a great friend. I, I, I never thought of it in that context. I never thought of that. Um, I don't know that I totally agree 
and you'll probably laugh at this, but I I don't know that I that I agree that the that the mainstream media it's definitely left leaning. Right. I don't know that that I believe that it's as liberal as conservatives want to make it out to be, right? Because you know how this works, man. All of these companies at the top are owned by like three people. <laughs> right. It's like the oil companies. Right. So, yes, they try to drive ratings. Yes, they need ad revenue, all this. But I never thought of I never thought of it in that in that context that that because we 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 did the Democrats the media destroyed Mitt Romney. Yeah. And honestly, I, I didn't agree with Romney on a lot of things. Romney might have been a decent fucking president. Yeah. He had some good ideas. Um, he was a thoughtful guy. He was a, he's truly a statesman. I mean, if you don't, I mean, that's what blows my mind about conservatives. They fucking hate Mitt Romney now. Which is crazy to me. Like this, How I, can you not like Mitt Romney? By the way, I, I really like Dan Crenshaw, the one-eyed pirate from, yeah, sure. uh, from Texas, because he'll say like, hey guys, you're moving the party so far to the right by saying rhinos, and we can't trust these rhinos, you know, Republicans in name only, like Romney, who who don't vote the party line on everything on Trump. Like, no, I, I disagree with a lot of things that Romney agrees with, because I'm not a Republican anymore. Um, but it's like, I appreciate that he stood up to his own party. It was he like, did. no, I, I don't agree with what Trump did. You know, it's like, like the, the, to your point, these classic statements, uh, statesmen to me on the other side, Lieberman, I thought Lieberman and McCain were going to break off and make their own third 100%, party. I agree. That fucking yes. shit didn't work. Yes. Um, and even as crazy as old man, um, oh my God, what's his name? Uh, the, the socialist communist Bernie Sanders. Even though I disagree with everything Bernie Sanders thinks about yes. politics, I'm like, well, at least he's intellectually congruent. I listen. I would have struck if if Bernie Sanders would have been our nominee, I would have struggled voting for him. Right. That's what I'm saying. Like, yes, I'm a Democrat. Yes, I vote Democrat. I don't subscribe to everything the Democratic Party puts out nowadays. Why is there not space for guys like me or guys like you in the Republican Party or in the Democratic Party? If I don't agree that I think that your son who decided he wants to transition to be a female or he wants to identify as a woman wants to play high school sports, girls basketball, if I don't agree with that, I'm fucked. Yeah, oh no, you're out. You're, you, might, you might as well be Trump. I'm out. You know what I mean? I'm I'm I am the scum of the earth. Right. How we got to that point in American politics where we don't have the ability to to debate substantive issues and say I'm with you on this. I'm with you on that. I'm not quite there on that. It blows my mind because that to me people are talking about how divided we are. How do we heal? We heal by letting people be who they are, express their ideas, and not hold people to this, this rigid ideology that we're all supposed to subscribe to, we're all supposed to agree to. That's I, to me, that's where we, we really kind of lost our way, where, where if you disagree with any plank in the party platform, you're out. Yeah. You're done. 
And and not only are will we not support you, we will not vote for you, we're going to demonize you. Yeah, you're evil now. You're evil now. It's crazy. And that's on both sides of the aisle. It happens with everybody. And so, to your point, yes, that probably created a Donald Trump. Yeah, oh, for sure. He's he, Donald Trump is not the... He's not the the symptom. He's like the cure. Like I mean, uh, you know, he he's what uh, he's the byproduct. I, he's the byproduct. Yeah, yeah. He's the he's the unintended consequence. Yes. And I don't I don't want to use him by name, and I don't want to. I can't say too much, but let's just say I have a family member who you know probably a Reagan, definitely a Reagan Republican, but not a. So he's a Democrat. Yeah, not a racist bone in his body like this human being in my family collected stray souls, whether they were black or white. Sure. Or, it didn't matter. And um, and, you know, when Obama got elected, this individual was like, man, I, I really disagree with Obamacare and this and this and this. And for I'm not I'm not kidding, bro, because I saw this at the genesis of Facebook becoming all political. He would put something up like. Oh, I disagree with Obamacare. I disagree with some Obama policy because of this. And it would be an immediate, immediate, oh, it's because you're racist. It's because you're white and Obama's black. Identity politics. So guess what? You call somebody a racist for eight years? Guess what he is now? He's a raving fucking racist. And I I don't talk to this member of my family anymore because he's the guy, he's the Republican that Democrats are scared of where his Facebook profile is all NASCAR and and eagles popping out of beer cans and Trump was the savior and QAnon's real and fuck these Mexicans who are taking our jobs. Like he went in eight years from just a normal level-headed kind of right-leaning guy to everybody he knew called him a racist yes. for eight years. And he was like, you know what? Fuck you. Yeah, I, do, I will be then. I, I do hate blacks and Mexicans because they're taking the job. And Obama's really a Muslim that right. was born overseas. Right. And, you know, you you turn people into the you villain do. you make I, them. I, I, I don't disagree. I truly don't disagree. And it's and that's how we ended up with Trump. And my scare. My, we the, did that. We, I, I, we overreacted to the backlash to Obama. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah. We, we overreacted to the because you can't deny there was a there was a there was a Van Jones went on CNN and called it a white lash, right? Which I I agree with. Um, there was a backlash to Obama, whether it was conscious or unconscious. There right. are people in parts of this country that seeing a black man in that position at the in the White House press room, speaking at the podium with the presidential seal on it, that they could not reconcile right. that. There's definitely still racist in America. 100%. 100%. And so there was a, again, as Van Jones called, a white lash to that. Our reaction to that was to call everybody racist. Everybody racist. Right. Um, which is not fair either. Right. It's not fair either. Like, was there a racist component, a racist and possibly sexist component to people that just decided um, in 2016 that they didn't like Hillary and they were going to vote for Trump? Sure, but that wasn't the entire electorate. Right. It and wasn't It wasn't racist that 
that voted for Trump because they were like, you know, yeah, I had eight years of Obama, black guy, whatever. Now I want a white guy back in there. There was probably a small portion. Of, that right. wasn't the whole electorate. Right. And I would say, I would say there definitely was some cross. Let's just say, let's just agree on 1%. You know, there was 1% sure. of voters that were like, I'm truly racist. I got to get a white guy back in there. And I would say there was at least that much of an offset that's like, I don't care about her politics. I'm I'm voting for Hillary because she's 100%. a woman. I don't care about Obama. I'm vo- I remember sitting at a bar in Sierra Madre, very white, rich, uh, kind of conservative enclave right outside of LA. I'm sitting there with my buddy Charles. Shout out to Charles. I love him. Um, and there's a guy right next to us who has the uh, Obama, uh, the Obama Hope shirt on. Hope and on. change. Yeah, yeah, Hope and change. Oh, yeah. And uh, I'm talking to Charles about politics and like, I don't know who I'm going to vote for. It's definitely not going to be Obama, but it's probably not going to be the Republican. I, I don't did, know. What, what did you not like about Obama? Huh? What did you not like about we'll get, Obama? We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. Okay. Um, so, uh, so there's a guy next to us. He decides to interject himself into the conversation. He's like, oh, well, you're just young and you don't understand the significance and blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to vote for him because he's the first black president. And I'm like, all right, cool. I'm like, let's switch that vernacular. What if I told you I'm not going to vote for him because he's black? He's like, well, that's racist. And I'm like, yeah, no, I, I get that. that. That is racist. But you just said you're only voting for him right. because he's black. Right. And I'm like, that's that's effectively right. the same thing. Like, if I say I'm only voting for somebody because they're purple or they're a woman or they're white right. or whatever, that's that's also, like, categorizing them by demographic instead of sure. their thoughts. And so I, I think there's as many as there's a racist or a sexist, I think there's just as many offsetting people that are only going to vote for people because of the alternate, right? Um, so I don't think that changed the election. But what cracked me up is like we had just voted for Obama twice and then Trump gets elected and they're like, the only reason he got elected is because more than 50% of the country is racist. Yeah. I'm like, no, that's a bridge too far for me. Well, and the crazy thing was, I, I don't know the, the, the numbers off the top of my head, but for Trump to get elected, there was a percentage of Obama voters that then flipped and voted for Trump. Yeah. So if they voted for Obama and you said, wow, they weren't racist because they voted for Obama twice and then they flipped and voted for Trump. Now all of a sudden that means they are racist. Like that, that never computed with me. Right. Me neither. To me, Trump was what, what happened with Trump. And this is just my theory. doesn't, doesn't mean that it, that's true or that it means anything. What happened with Trump was, there was a lot of white people that were okay with Obama. He was acceptable, right? Because he was he was clean cut. He was well spoken. He right. wasn't one of them. Yeah, right. He right. was he was black, but but he was white enough. When I hear liberal people say that, I'm like, you're more racist than the racist person I know. By the way, but anyway, I digress. Yes, but to to go from a black president to a woman president who they felt like, first of all, Hillary's been hated by the right since 1992 when Bill got elected. And then if you remember Hillary Care in 1994 yep. when she proposed, you know, the health care reform, she she put a target on her back for conservatives. Yeah. And they have been trying to take Hillary Clinton down for 30 years. Yeah. Well, that's because she's a horrible human being. Well, <laughs> whatever your opinion on Hillary Clinton is, she's she's had a she's had that target on her back forever, and so 
Hillary was just a bridge too far for a lot of these white voters that voted for Obama because they feared they feared a true loss of what the country used to be. If you ask most conservatives, people talk about like make America great again. When was America great? Oh, the 1950s, post-World War II, right? Hillary represented even more of a departure from that America than Obama did, right? The she was gonna she was gonna further um, LGBTQ rights. Yeah, she was a woman that was gonna be president. We've never seen that. We can't go from the first black president to the first. Whoa, 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 whoa bridge whoa. too far. Bridge. We got to put the brakes on that. Trump, unbelievably. A New York billionaire Democrat. 100% Democrat. Pro-choice. Like, if we could give them both a truth serum, I would bet. I, I, would, I would bet my life. I would bet my child's life. I would be willing to bet New York Democrat Trump versus Arkansas redneck Hillary. I would be willing to bet in my heart of hearts, Trump knows or is friendly or has a more friendly take towards Jews, blacks, and gays than Hillary Clinton. That would be that would be my gut feeling in the pit of Trump, my soul. Scott, Trump, Trump's a Democrat. Trump is a fucking Democrat. 100%. That's what I've tried to tell all of these. This guy until 2015 was a pro-choice, pro-assault weapons ban, uh given to donating to Democrat candidates. Yeah, Democrat candidates, AIDS Foundation, like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is is on tape as saying the economy does better under Democrats. I mean, Trump is a New York... It's like Michael Bloomberg, Donald Trump, one in the fucking same, except Michael Bloomberg really is a billionaire. Right. By the way, do you know where we're seeing this on the opposite side? The mayoral race in Los Angeles. Uh, Caruso, who's a property developer, billionaire, like he is a he is a pro life Catholic, stone cold Republican, but knew he could not win for mayor in in Los Angeles, California. So he ran as Democrat. Ran as a Democrat. He changed to like pro like you yeah. you read his bio now on his website and you're like you're not like pro what? life. You, you donated <laughs> nine million or you're not pro choice. You donated nine million dollars yeah. to pro life campaigns like and you're like this property you know, developer. Hate the system. Hate the city. You're the most Republican right. person that's running California in two decades. There, it's crazy. You know what's you know what's crazy is. And he's going to win, by the way, because sure. to your point, of course. to your point, we're the most ignorant populace of voters ever. As long as they say what we want to hear in the exactly. moment, we don't care. Yeah. When I, it's, when like I an, it's like an ugly fat girl. Just tell me what you want to hear. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> when I was deciding to run, so in 2011, I met with the minority leader of the House of Representatives of the state legislature in Idaho. Because initially I was going to run for the state legislature before I decided to run for Congress. And he straight up said to me, we met at a Starbucks in Idaho, in Lewiston, Idaho. Had a nice little white chocolate mocha, you know. And uh, he said, would you ever think about running as a Republican? And he was basically saying, "You you got everything. 
if he ran as a Republican Idaho, he'd probably be the fucking governor. Right. Local hometown boy played in the NFL. Everybody you just assume you're rich because you played in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. Like you'd be you'd be the Republican. You, you we wouldn't I, be talking. I'd be you'd the, be fucking ten I years into your be, political I career. I would be the governor of Idaho <laughs> right now. <laughs> right, right. And and I remember saying to him, I said, I can't do it. Could never do it. Could never do it. Yeah. Um not because I'm some just such a great guy that's just so but but because the 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 things that matter to me, the the impact that I wanted to make, and the 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 belief that I have in that that core old school Democratic Party platform. Yeah. I was like, I can't I can't do it because I don't believe in tax cuts. I'm deeply pro choice. I can never go up and say, I think every American should have as many fucking guns as they want. Oh, don't go in my garage. I know. <laughs> I'm a I'm a gun owner. Yeah. I'm a gun owner. Um, but I I couldn't do it. But I see so many politicians now in the name of getting what they want, getting to where they want to get. You gotta do what you gotta do, right? There's so and, and there's there's more that we don't know about than there are that we do. So for every Trump, every LA mayor's race, there's there's more, probably tenfold more than we don't know about that are doing that exact same thing. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So let me ask you this. All right. So I don't believe in not voting for a candidate. You know where it's like do not vote or voted for sure. other other. So so I'm going down the ballot and it comes to state controller or whatever, and it's like a Democrat and a Republican. I'm like, all right. I'm a libertarian, but I got to pick one of these two. Here's my dilemma with being a Democrat. Because there's like, there's some things that I'm very socially like liberal on. I'm more of a, like not more. I'm a, I'm a hardcore fiscal Republican, uh, fiscal conservative. Here's my dilemma. When I get to that moment, I got to vote Democrat or Republican. Currently, right now, 2022, this will probably come out in the beginning of 2023, unless some crazy event happens where, like, we should have all commented on it. Then Chris is going to be like, fuck, there was, a, <laughs> there was another 9-11. We got to drop all these podcasts right, on right, Tuesday. Right. So it's like, because it would be weird if we didn't talk about this right. and something crazy happens in December 2022. So so when I look, let's just pick the abortion issue because I could, I could go over 100 issues, but abortion is the easiest. When I look at the fringe of the Republican Party and the fringe of the Democratic Party on abortion, and I'm like, okay, the fringe of the Republican Party believes the moment a woman opens her legs, she has to be conscious of the fact that you might be creating another human life. And if you take on the responsibility of creating another human life, there should be no such thing as abortion under any circumstance because you've taken on the responsibility of fostering another life. I'm like, All right, that's that's about as far right wing as you can sure. get. Like, if you sure. let a penis touch the vagina, it's, you you lose all autonomy of your yes, own body. That's yes, the far right wing. Yes, the far left wing is ah. Eh, if you birth a baby at nine months and you decide you don't want to do it, we should be able to snap the spinal cord and kill that nine-month-old baby or, or something similar to that. Like the baby has no rights until it passes through the vaginal canal. And I'm like, mm, eight and a half months, that's a pretty viable fetus. So if I look at those two extremes, I'm like, well, I disagree with the Republican and I could probably have a civil debate over why they're wrong. And I think the Democrat is evil. Right. Like there's so many issues where I'm like, ooh, um, far right wing QAnon. I kind of believe in anarchy. 
I probably kind of believe in anarchy. Far left-wing communist. We know communists killed like 60 million people over the last 100 years. I'm like, one is wrong, one is evil. And I keep coming down on this where like, oh, the Republicans are wrong. Like the far right-hand base of the Republicans are wrong. I think the far left-wing of the Democrats are actually evil. So when given that binary of I got to vote for a Republican or a Democrat, I, I vote for the Republican. I, I, I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't square that in their yeah, mind, yeah, yeah. in my mind, because there are a lot of classical liberal beliefs, you know, JFK, obviously, even like, you know, even fucking Bill Mondale, Bill, Bill Clinton. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Other than the fact that I think he's probably as equally a piece of shit human as Trump is. There was just no Trump. There was no social sure. media. Um, you know, whatever his, his balanced budget is like leave tech alone so they can grow this huge fucking revenue stream because right. we hit the internet revolution like whatever there's a lot of stuff that's that's um fiscally like we're on the common ground there but i just i can't get on board with the modern far left wing of the democratic party which seems to have them by the balls i'm i'm about an hour ago i'm on record as saying i don't want anything to do with that wing of the party <sighs> right right the reason why i could never be the democratic nominee probably nationally right. in any election is because I'm totally fine with capping an abortion at, I mean, I'm open. I'm, it doesn't matter. Pick I, it yeah, up. 15 I'm, I'm weeks, 16 weeks. 20 weeks. Right, whatever. Okay. Yeah, America seems to be somewhere around 15 and 16 weeks, which is why I don't think there was this huge Roe versus Wade contingent of right. Democrats that voted. Well, I do think Roe was a huge issue. Because, yeah, I do. Women... Mm -hmm. Undecided voters voted Democrat over the the abortion issue. Interesting. I, I I I believe that, and from what I'm gathering from you know news outlets, um, I think that was we'll find out in the autopsy, yeah, post election autopsy about what those numbers actually were and what those issues were. I think Republicans way overplayed their hand on Roe. And that costs them in the midterms. Um, but to your point, first of all, I will say, just for the record, I don't know that what you're saying about quote-unquote late-term abortions is true. Doctors don't say that that's true. Doctors, doctors that perform abortions across the board say that what Republicans describe as late-term abortions is is just not true. They, they've they never birthed a child that the woman is like, yeah, I don't want it, so they fucking snap its neck or right. inject it with... Right. Late and, and by the way, I don't think that's what Democrats right. want either, but when... I don't want that. When, I don't want that. Yeah, but when pushed on the issue, talking about Hillary Trump, yeah. when pushed on the issue, like I think it was famously on The View, and they were like, so... Would you, they were they were trying somebody I can't remember I think it was the right wing lady that's on the View there's like one of five that's conservative they're like would you support third term abortion and she kept trying to talk her way yes. around it yes and, well you yes. know women have the right but she's like no just answer the question you know why you know why she did that because she knew she would probably lose a significant percentage of the Democratic vote by saying what she actually fucking believes right which which that's the problem right. That's which the mean, problem. Which means a significant amount of Democrats believe you should be able to abort a baby until the it comes far, through the, the vaginal The far left canal. wing of the party does. Absolutely. Right. Which yes. Which is crazy, Which dude. is crazy to me. But it's also just as crazy to me to say that, that, a, that, that a 
woman who was raped that she has to carry that child to term. A woman who was the victim of incest has to carry right. that child to term. A woman who goes to an OBGYN family care doctor at 20 weeks, doctor says, got major problems like we either got to take the baby or or you, you might be fucked. Or you might die. Right. That she doesn't have the option to say, I want to live. Yeah. Or her husband doesn't have the option to say, I choose my wife in this in this scenario. Right. right. That's equally as fucking crazy to me. Yeah. Right. Equally as crazy. Right. Which 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 is what makes this this debate so intense, right? It's what's divided right. people politically for so long. Right. But the point is, the bigger point to me is we should be able to explore the nuance of that issue, have differing opinions on that issue, and not have that be the issue that decides single-handedly who's going to control the government of this country. Right. Because in the grand scheme of things, abortion's a fairly small issue. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't I mean, want mi- to. No, I'm with you. I don't want to minimize. I don't want to minimize either. But let's say there's four hundred thousand uh, abortions in America annually. There's four hundred million citizens that have yes. every other aspect of their life controlled yes. by the federal yes. government. But what we've come to is a party, both parties that vote on one issue. Right. One single issue. And we ignore all of the other... And, and both parties do it where you you saw, again, somebody smarter than and more into political history. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely... Um, I love presidential history, presidential politics. Somebody may say, oh, man, that started back in the 70s or it started with Newt Gingrich or whatever. But what I remember, my era, is... When Obama got elected, and if you ever read this book, there's a great book out. I forget the name of the author, but it's called um, it's called um, <clears throat> it's wor- it, uh, Chris. You'll have to look this up. Um, the 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 title of the book it came out in 2012. It's called like it's worse than you think, or it's worse than we thought, or something like that. And it's about the 2010 class of freshman Republicans that got elected in Obama's first midterm. Is that like Paul Ryan and those guys? Yes. It's so, even worse than you it's think. It's even worse than you think. Yeah. Okay. And now it's, you're going to have to look up who was the freshman class of well, uh, Republican. Well, I'll tell you what it was. It was the Tea Party. Tea Party, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it was like Paul Ryan, Eric Cantor. These guys were the young guns. Yeah. But they had a meeting. So so that group of that group of of it wasn't the group of freshmen. It was the leadership of the Republican Party in 2008 when Obama got elected. They had a meeting, and it talks about it in this book, on Inauguration Day at a restaurant in D.C. While the inauguration was going on, Newt Gingrich, um, uh, John Boehner, um, I forget who the Senate leader would have been at the time, uh, the Republican for the Republicans at that time, the 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 leadership of the Republicans in the House and the Senate, plus Newt Gingrich and some other former leaders, met at a restaurant and and made a pact. Mitch McConnell was one of them. Made a pact. We will oppose everything that, that Barack Obama does. Period. 
period. Like, if Barack Obama comes up with the cure for cancer, we will block it. That's a true story. That's not, that's not you know, left-wing it's media not, spin. It's that, not that, our uh, tinfoil hat. No, yeah. that happened. Right. And so, to me, again, it probably started before that, but to me, that was a line of demarcation in American politics that said, we don't care what's good for the country anymore. We care what's good for the party. Right. Because, and the reason why I say that is because I used to do this little experiment when I was running. People would ask me about the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare. And guys would, people would come up to me at a at a campaign event or a county fair and say, do you support Obamacare? Kind of like the guy before. And I'd say, right. you know, yes. Um, and I'd say, what do you think about Obamacare? Obamacare. I think it's the the socialism. It's the worst infringement on our constitutional rights, blah, blah, blah. I'd say, okay, fair enough. Do you agree that healthcare needs reform? Absolutely. You know, our American healthcare is a fucking disaster on every level. I'd say, okay, um, what do you think about, let, let's talk about healthcare reform. What do you think about insurance companies not being able to um, put lifetime caps on insurance and, you know, a kid that's born with a heart defect that at the age of five has maxed out his $1 million cap and they can kick him off insurance. They'd say, I totally support that. Say, okay, what do you think about, um, do you have kids? Yeah, I do have kids, two in college. What do you think about being able to keep them on the, on your insurance until they're 26? Say, yeah, you know, my, my daughter just graduated. She's looking for a job. I'm happy to do that. I think that's great. That'd be great. Okay, awesome. You know, and said, so go through a few of these other things that were like the six or seven key tenets of Obamacare. And they'd agree on every one of them. Yes, I love that. I think if that was a part of a healthcare bill, I would support that. Okay? All of the key tenets of Obamacare, they loved it. What do you think about being able to go on online and shop? For a healthcare insurance plan, being able to compare with it, just like you do with your car insurance. What do you think about that? Fuck, that'd be awesome. Right. I'd love to do that. Right. I'd say you, so you like all that. I would support something like that, but you don't like Obama. Don't want anything to do with it. Socialism. That. So what they were saying was they fucking loved Obamacare, right. but they hated Obamacare. No, they so, hated Obama. Exactly. But they loved Obama. That's what I mean. So at that moment, I was like, people don't care. Mm -hmm. they, they it's don't, just tribal. They, they don't care. You know what's funny? They don't care about these issues that, that you know. I don't, I don't know if you remember. There was a moment when Obama, I think it was right after it passed, and it was State of the Union or some shit. And he's like, and if you want to keep your own doctor, da da, da and we're not going to have these death panels. And some junior congressman yelled you out, lie. you lie. Yes. And everybody was all up in arms. And I was like, ironically, that's the only part of Obamacare that I support. Because if you read any of these medical studies, uh, Atul Gawande uh, wrote, the, you're going to have to look up this book, Chris. Atul Gawande wrote this book about basically end-of-life care. And he comes from the perspective of a doctor. He's written a bunch of great books on checklists and like uh, basically adopting uh, healthcare doctor-type norms Medicine to business. Medicine and what matters in the end. Uh, uh, it's Atul Gawande, what is this called? Medicine and what matters in the end. What matters in the end. Okay. So, so he basically wrote this book where like doctors are so have this God complex where they're like they're 
they're trying to figure out if they can, they never ask if they should. Mm. So it was talking about how like 80% of the healthcare dollars that you will consume in your lifetime are in the last six months of your life. Absolutely. Where they're just trying to keep grandpa alive for the last six months. Absolutely. And, it's like, and the quality of life of shit and the healthcare is fucking over. So like when the guy was like, uh, we won't have death, uh, Obama said, we won't have death panels. He was like, you lied. I'm like, well, like, I kind of agree with death panels. Like, you know, if <laughs> if the government's going to decide what healthcare is paid for by society and we're like, hey man, this guy had a, a, a solid run of 84 years. <laughs> right. And now in his last six months, we're going to deplete the coffers and spend 80% of the money that we're ever going to spend in his whole life in healthcare to keep him alive an extra six months, and that six month is dog shit? Right. Just let him die, bro. So, so death panels was one example of how ingenious Republicans are at messaging, okay? Because there was no such thing. Even, there, there wasn't even a, 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 a line in the Obamacare bill in the Affordable Health Care Act that even alluded to something along the lines. Of, that was a Sarah Palin made up idea about death panels. Yeah. They out messaged us on the Affordable Care Act. That's why. That's why it was so unpopular, because to my point. I don't know the percentage. We could look it up high percentages of people support the tenets of the Affordable Care Act. Right. They don't like Obamacare because they don't like Obama and because Republicans were brilliant messaging against Obamacare. Yeah, that PR firm definitely earned oh, their money. Look, and Republicans are are Republicans kill us on messaging every election cycle. We like to be so philosophical and talk about the bills and these intellectuals from... Make America great. Make America great. Exactly. That's a pretty fucking good one. It's easy to remember, Yeah, but but that's why Obama got elected in 2008. You know know why? Hope. Hope. Yes, we can. Yes, we can. Hope. Change. I remember telling people like... And by the way, this is kind of where I got really jaded on politics for two reasons. Uh, One, somebody would be like, oh, hope. And I'm like, you know, hope's not a plan. And their immediately response, oh, you're racist? I'm like, let me tell you why no. hope. Let me tell you Hope's why, not a plan, dude. Let, let me tell you why hope was so brilliant. You see a poster, those, I, 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 don't, I don't know what to call it. It's not like cartoon, but those posters that Obama had that were yeah. like, it wasn't an actual picture of him. It was like. Yeah, it was a, the washed out blue. Whatever. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it said hope under, mm-hmm. or it said change. You know why that's so brilliant? Because you know what we do subconsciously? We assign what we hope for. To him. Yeah, of course. It's a great word. So so whatever I hoped for, I would see Obama and see hope, and I would say, yes. Man, I hope my my kid has a better future. Change. Change. The change that... Obama never defined what what the actual change was he let yeah. you define it right and and it became whatever you wanted it to be yeah and then you when you thought about change i want to see i want to see these changes you said obama is the vehicle to change it it was right. brilliant that was brilliant Dude, it's, it's the classic sales technique of like be interested, not interesting. Hundred percent. He didn't have interesting policy. He didn't say anything he was going to do. He ran on healthcare. He ran on ending the war. He was, which he didn't, um, which is ironic. Which you can't, right? <laughs> you can't. Well, because fairness, no new wars under Trump. Trump. The wars ended under Trump. 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 Trump, Trump waited 
Trump knew the political backlash of getting out of Afghanistan, so he waited for Biden to take that fucking hit. Everybody in America wants us out of the Middle East, right? Biden pulls us out and gets skewered for it. So here's the thing that I don't understand. I, I think, Chris, please look this up so that I'm not talking out my ass. I think when we pulled out of Afghanistan, we had 20,000 troops or 12,000 troops or something in Afghanistan. I like the Dan Crenshaw model. I keep talking about this guy, but I like the Dan Crenshaw model of like, dude, we've got 12,000 troops in Japan, South Korea, fucking Germany. Everywhere. We got, got 12,000 troops everywhere. everywhere. Like we could have kept a stabilizing force of 10 to 12,000 troops in Afghanistan, not let Kabul get overrun. And it's like, we could have just done the generational change thing that we had to do in West Germany before they reunited in Japan and South Korea and whatnot. And it's like, I don't know. It, it feels, and this is me channeling Jocko Willing's comments sure. or, Dan, or you know, uh, uh, Dan Crenshaw's comments. It feels like we allowed, as a country, not, not Biden, not Trump, it feels like we allowed, uh, you know, bumper sticker politics, bring them home. 100%. To... to, to make a really bad situation. 100%. Nobody has a bumper sticker on their car. Bring them home. Meaning Scott. the people in Japan or the people, the, the soldiers in Germany. Like, I think we really fucked that up as a country. Scott, I have. And by the way, I think we'll be fighting them again at some point in our lifetime. Of course we will. Of so course sad. we will. I have a friend in Idaho who has an organization. Um, I don't know the exact name of it, but, but essentially his entire life's work is bring our troops home he worked for that for years you know what happened when we brought our troops home he was all over facebook giving speeches in dc all over the place talking about how fucked up it was that we're bringing our troops home i mean not right. that we're bringing them home but but that we scott we can't this is what you got to understand and i know you do i say this that, that people have to understand about American politics. When you do what people ask for, they hate you for it. Yeah. They, oh. They hate you for it. So, somebody said, I think it was George Will or some political commentary. Maybe it was uh, 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 Davis, David Hansen, the, the guy that said uh, Stanford. He goes, he goes, Trump will be the first president to be absolutely hated for doing what he said he was going to do. When he ran, he's like, I'm going to build the wall. I'm going to cut regulation. I'm going to do this. And in fairness... Trump actually did a lot of the things he said. You know, you can you can argue that he was a piece of shit as a human being. He sh somebody should have taken away his fucking Twitter. But, like, he actually did a lot of the things that he ran on. And he never, probably because he felt empowered by winning, he never, like, tacked to the center and was like, okay, like, yeah, I got to listen to some Democrats. I got to, right. like, say some things to all the... He's like, no, if I can find... 50.01% right. of the populace that will just let me do whatever I want to do. Um, I'll just keep doing it. He right. never, he never like tacked to the center, you know? What do you, what do you think? Honest question, not no sarcasm. What do you think Trump actually did? I think Trump did a couple things. Well, um, one, I think he took an ax to the political correctness, which had just gotten sure. way out of control. Fair. So I appreciate that. There's actually one policy that I, that he enacted that even, even NPR did like a Sunday, you know, um, you know, the daily, I actually mm -hmm. really like that podcast. They did like a Sunday, whatever, where they're like, well, one of the things he actually followed through with is that for every new regulation that was written, two regulations had to come off the books okay. because we're just too crazy. So I like that. Um, and, and I, I do like his foreign policy. Like he did get some pretty crazy peace deal signed in the middle East. We didn't enter any into any new wars. 
And then like when people started to flare up, he's like, fuck it, drone assassinate that Iranian general because like I just don't want to have to go to war in, in, Ira in Iran. So it's like there's some things that he did that I really like. Do I think he was good for the psyche of America? Do I think he was a statesman or a good leader? Absolutely not. Sure. But, you know, one article I read is that if you're a far-right conservative pro-life, you kind of had to just hold your nose yes. and put up with the stink of Trump because he got, you know, two Supreme, two or three Supreme three. Court, three Supreme Court justices on the court that are more conservative. So, um, I, so the reason why I asked that question is because I, I hear people say that a lot that um, Trump delivered on all of his promises. No, no, no. Of course, yeah. of course. And I know you're not saying that. First of all, no president can do that. Impossible. It's impossible. If it was, we'd have a dictatorship. Right. Because one of the things that happens when you get in office is you realize that a bunch of the shit you campaigned on, you get an intelligence briefing and they say, here's why you can't do that. Right. Right. Or you get a, a, a bigger, more intelligent view of the economy and they say, the economists come in and they say, yeah, that won't really work. Right. Right. And so I never hold, I, I hate it when people say that, that, you know, well, he didn't fulfill this promise or that. I'm like, yeah, like the, uh, um, the Abu Ghraib thing for Obama. The first day I'm in the presidency, I'm going to release all the. Well, his big thing was close Guantanamo. But yeah, yeah, Guantanamo. Uh, yeah, yeah. What yeah. did I say? Abu Ghraib. Yeah, yeah, whatever. It was the Guantanamo, Guantanamo Bay. Yeah. The first day in office, they're they, like, they, "Hey, bro," they came to him and said, "Here's why you can't do that." <laughs> right. He's like, "Oh, fuck, this shit's right, for real." Right. And so, so I never hold politicians to that because, because I've done it. You campaign on issues that are important to you that you'd right. like to see a change on, and then you get more information. And you're like. Okay, I understand why that's been that way for 40 years. Right, right. Why we can't do anything on right. that. So I don't hold Trump to what he promised. Okay. Um, but what I think of Trump in terms of a president is that um, the country fell into extreme division and chaos under Trump. Not that it wasn't divided before. Right. Trump exacerbated that. Agree. Um, I think that from a Republican standpoint, if I was a Republican sitting here today, Donald Trump has lost, has cost Republicans three massive elections. He got hammered in 2018 in the midterms. He lost in 2020 when he should have won. And they lost in the House and the Senate. And Republicans should have, there should have been a red wave and there wasn't in 2022 because of Donald Trump. Right. And, and here's why, why I'll say that because people will say, oh, you can't blame Trump for that. The fuck you can't. You can, 100%. This is something that people may not have thought about. Kudos to Trump for getting three justices on the Supreme Court. You know what fucked Republicans in the midterm? Roe. The decision to, you know, quote unquote, overturn wherever they're at with that Roe v. Wade motivated more women, independent, undecided voters to vote Democrat than ever before. And those numbers will come out and that'll be definitive. Those three justices, those, ex I mean, I, I probably sound like a Democrat saying this, but, but, but those are, those are some of the more partisan extreme justices that have ever been appointed to the Supreme Court. My opinion as a Democrat. Yeah. 
I, I would argue if I was trying to steel man this Sotomayor on the sure, Democratic sure, side, same sure. thing. But but all three of them went before the Senate and said Roe is precedent. I'd never touch it. The first opportunity they got, it's done. Done. Yeah, right? but you, you that that cost republic okay, so that and election the election fraud, election denial. Every election denier running for House or Senate got their fucking ass hammered. Yeah. Except for Carrie Lake. Who, no, she's going to lose, right? I hope the, she loses. She, she, she's the governor of Arizona, right? Yes, in that government. Yeah. She's probably going to lose. She's going to lose. Lauren Boebert, who we talked about. Yeah. That wasn't even on anybody's radar. And she's in the tightest house race in the country. 14 of Trump's endorsed candidates got fucking hammered. Right. He's an albatross around the Republican Party right now. All he gave you in four years as president was a tax cut and three major election losses. The Republican Party is 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 in disarray right now because of Donald Trump. That's my and, and I say that not not as a Democrat that's like hee hee hee. I say that as if I put my Republican hat on and was right. like You're bitter. I, I would be Republican fucking bitter. pissed right. at Donald Trump. He cost me three elections. He cost me three elections and total disarray. If you would have, one of the things I did on election night. But real quick, let me just, yeah, go ahead. Let me, let, me go just ahead. Um, let me ask you this. If you're a one issue voter, you're a pro-life voter, and you really think this is a matter of life and death of 400,000 people, because yes. they believe fetuses are people. Of course. And I don't care where you fall on that. If you're a one-issue voter and it's life or death for 400,000 people a year, do you give a fuck? No. Yeah. That's why they voted for him. Yeah. That's why they held their nose after Access Hollywood came out, after yeah. three, five kids with three wives and multiple mistresses and never paying income tax yeah. and five bankruptcies and all the Donald Trump. That's why they voted for him. Yeah. Fair play. And no. by the way, uh, so I can't remember what happened. I don't know if I was on vacation I was on, I, something happened where I was detached from the news cycle when the whole grab him by the pussy thing came out. And I'll never forget. I, I wrote out. a piece about that in USA Today, by the way. Chris, you should pull that up. Awesome. USA Today, we'll leak that. Yeah. Um, I went up to Leslie Rivas, a single mom, Hispanic, Democrat, Los Angelino, probably has never voted for a Republican in her life. And I walked up to her and I'm like, Leslie, I'm like, I, I don't, I, we were busy as fuck. We were printing a lot of loans. I'm like, I don't have time to research all this. Uh, Trump, the grab him by the pussy thing, was he being a sexist pig or was he, you know, locker room talk like you've heard your uncles around the barbecue a million times? He's like, <laughs> she goes, dude, my uncle Robert has said a million things way worse than that. It was just hot mic locker talk. Yeah. I think the media really wanted to make that a thing like, oh, let me clutch my pearls and pretend like this sexist man should not be president. It's like, well, you also supported a guy who banged his intern with cigars in the White House. So maybe Agreed. maybe clutching your pearls is a little disingenuous. And I think a lot of the things, because you and I are really tied into the media cycle, I lifelong Los Angelino, I think the things that the media want voters to care about, they don't frequently care about. That's a... Wonderful point because this midterm election proved that the media, conservative media, wanted voters to care about gas prices and inflation. Right. 
And they and what the voters said was, we care about women's autonomy over our bodies, and we care about. I don't know how to phrase this. They rejected the election deniers. Right. What I said, I'd, again, maybe an hour, maybe it's been an hour and a half now, I don't know. <laughs> Who the fuck knows? <laughs> this is what I love about this. I told you if we ever got on a podcast, we'd it was going to go, go 13 three hours. hours. No, 13 hours. Dude. Yeah. We're, we're going to talk till <laughs> two in the morning. Literally. My son's flying in from New York. He's going to be like, who the fuck is this guy that you couldn't pick me up <laughs> right. from the airport? Right. Oh, I was drunk, son. Sorry. <laughs> um, but, but. Speaking of which, we need another drink. Yeah, yeah please. Yeah. Refill me on that. Um, <clears throat> I kind of lost my train of thought on that, but. Um, they, they, those issues. Election deniers. Yeah, election deniers. Every, almost every one of them got beat. And Republican voters or, or independent, let's just say, let's say undecided voters said, given everything that's, that, that everybody's telling us is wrong right now, record high inflation, high gas prices, a, a president with a low approval rating. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, in the face of all of that, I'm looking at the Republican alternative and I'm saying, no, no thanks. No thanks to this crazy election denier wants to take away my right to choose what happens to my body. I'm willing to pay a little bit higher gas prices and a little bit more for milk, eggs, and bread so that this motherfucker doesn't get into office and isn't doesn't have a seat at the table when it comes to writing bills and writing laws that are going to affect me. That's what Republicans missed. So, and, 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 and on that point, and this may feed into what you're going to say. Tell me what the Republican party in 2022 is running on. Because all I can tell you is what they're running against. Right. What was their platform? What is what if Republicans run other than tax cuts and secure the border, which is a a made up issue, not to say that there's not problems at the border, but for 60 years, every president, there's there's issues at the border. Right. Okay. We don't have an open border. It's not open. Never has been kind of open. I mean, it's it's if it's as open now as it was under Donald Trump. I'll come back. I'm going to write that down. Come back. Yeah, yeah. But my point is, like, what are Republicans running on? What do Republicans say? Here's our ideas. Republican Party used to pride themselves on ideas. You know, they used to pride themselves on on progress. Vote for us because we have these ideas. We will do these things that are better for the country. For the last ten years. The Republican, Mitt Romney ran on, we're going to repeal Obamacare. Okay. Donald Trump ran on, I'm not a Democrat. Right. He, no, he actually ran on, I'm not Washington. Right. You know, drain the swamp, all that shit. Right. Republicans in 2022 ran on taking away your right to choose and the 2020 election was stolen. There was There was no talk of, they talked about inflation. How are you going to fix it? They talked about gas prices. You know why right. they didn't talk about how you're going to lower gas prices? Because it's not a domestic issue. Right. The president doesn't have anything to do with well, gas prices. The inflation thing was laughable to me because all you have to do is look back at all the stimulus bills where all the money got 
pumped into the economy. Of course. Republicans voted for it of side course. by side with de- Democrats. Of course. Um, have you ever heard the, the f- I'm going to, I'm going to butcher this. It's some political thought experiment. This is why, this is why Republicans, if I'm steel manning the Republicans, which it sounds like I'm this raving fucking Trump supporter. I know but, you're not. Yeah, so, yeah, I so we're uh, fine. But like, again, I'm going to butcher this, but the, the fence in the middle of the field, like, have you, have you heard this like political no, analogy? No. So this is why Republicans have a hard time running and Forget Republicans and Democrats for a moment. Let's just talk about progressives and conservatives, which okay. tend to be Republicans and Democrats. No, but, but it's a different distinction. It's a different it distinction. Is. So the conservative will come across a fence in the field that looks like it shouldn't be there, and they'll be like, well, there's a fence here. We should probably keep it here just in case it's conserving something. I got you. you. Know, maybe, maybe once a season, the elk can't get on that side of the fence to destroy the field or whatever. Okay. Where a progressive will be like, no, man, we got to progress. We've got to tear down the fence. So when it comes time for election season, it's way more motivating and inspiring to be like, tear down the fence versus yes. like, well, I don't, yes. I don't really know what it's here Agreed. for, but maybe we should conserve the fence. And this is the thing. God, I keep coming back to him probably because I listen to his, his podcast. Well, actually, forget Dan Crenshaw for a minute. Ted Cruz, who I understand he's very hateable, but he's <laughs> very also hateable. very hateable, but he's also smart. Like two, He's a smart guy. Two things I, can be true at the same time. You can be hateable and smart. Ted Cruz will say it's really hard for conservatives to run on issues because they're like, well, just like the status quo is pretty good. Like we're arguably still the world power as a country. Absolutely. We've still got some great freedoms. It's still a great country to live in. Let's try to conserve that where inevitably the progressive is like, no, we got to tear down the fence and we got to, maybe we got to build something else besides the fence. And so it's hard when it's like, well, what are the Republicans running on? You know, it's like, uh, there's this old saying, it's like, what do Republicans want? Small incremental change. When do we want it? Over a long period of time. That's not a very sexy yes. rallying cry, you know, Man. where it's like Democrats get to say, disrupt the patriarchy today. And it's like, that sounds more sexy than like, hey, small incremental change over a long period of time. So it's yeah. kind of hard. Man, this again, that's why I love you. It's why we're such good friends, because that I love that analogy. Um, I don't disagree with it. Um, I just tend to lean on the side of of we got to do better and i think our party whether i like all the ideas or not right our party is more aligned with the ideology of we got to advance we got to improve we got to progress right republicans continue to talk about take the country back Right. To the good old days of the 1950s or the Ronald Reagan party. And sure, that maybe that was great. I didn't live in the 1950s. Right. I was a kid in the 1980s. Time is going to pass. It's going to be 2040 at some point. People are different. We're more diverse. Right? We have more, more freedom of expression through Twitter and social, you know, I mean, 30 years ago, the average, we couldn't be doing this. We wouldn't be doing this. You and I would have this conversation over drinks and cigar in your living room and nobody else would hear it. Right. Well, there's still a distinct chance that nobody else will hear it. But (laughs) hey, hopefully 84 people of our subscribers will hear it. (laughs) But the point is. Hi, Aaron Freeze. Right. (laughs) Yeah, shout out to Aaron. He's our super fan. Aaron. He he leaves comments on every fucking podcast. Brother, Aaron, DM me your address. I'll send you a copy of my book. I'll do a free coaching (laughs) session with you. He's awesome. I appreciate you, bro. Um, 
so so uh, while while I reject a lot of the 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 definitions of a progressive, I'm absolutely a progressive. Right. I, I want to see things get better and change and evolve as society and the country evolves. And I feel like even though I don't like all of the ideas of Democrats, I, I appreciate the fact that we continue to put ideas forward. I am, I am proud that our party nominated and elected the first black president. I'm proud that our party nominated the first female president, Hillary Clinton. Who she is aside from that, I'm proud right. that we did that. I'm proud that our party put forward the first woman vice president, Kamala Harris. However I feel about her, put that aside. Right. I'm proud that our party continues to, to be the first to progress in multiple ways. And when I look at the Republican Party, they want to roll back precedent on something like Roe v. Wade. They want to cut taxes. That that's the that's the holy grail of Republican Party. And I will admit, and this is a discussion. Maybe this is all for naught. In 1981, when Reagan cut taxes, that was the right thing to do. Okay, the top marginal tax rate was 70. Five percent. Fact check me on that. Seventy or seventy-five percent. Somewhere there, yeah. He cut the top rate to twenty-eight percent. That's a huge cut. So yes, there was a lot of millionaires that were like or wealthy people that were like, "Holy shit, I got a lot of money to invest in businesses and all this, help the economy grow." In twenty twenty-two. You cut the top rate from 39.6, which is what it was like under Bill Clinton. I think Obama bumped it back up to that in 2014 to 35. It's marginal. Right. There's no, there's no, there's no $50 million net worth person that gets that tax cut and says, hey, honey, let's start a business. Right. So the, the pro growth aspect of those tax cuts are marginal. Right. It doesn't work. That's not. It worked then. It was the right prescription then. It's not now. And that's all I ever hear from Republicans is, we'll cut your taxes. That's all I hear. And maybe that's because I have selective hearing. Truly, and I'm open to that. Like, I, I, I try to be as self-aware as possible. But, but all I ever hear is, we'll cut your taxes, we'll let you have more guns, and... Go Jesus. And to me, those are not progressive ideas. Those are not ideas that move our country forward. Reforms in healthcare, those move our country forward, right? right. Reforms in education, that moves our country forward. Um, diversity, inclusion, that moves our country forward because we are a diverse country. Right. That moves us forward. Um, clean energy moves us forward because whether you believe in climate change or not, it it, it is the reality. Right. There's nothing wrong with, like, wanting to be greener. No, you and you may disagree with the way we are trying to address that problem, but at least acknowledge that we're trying to address that problem. Right. While, while, while and again, not every Republican, but, but, but the Republican Party denies that it's even a problem. Right. So, for me, the Democratic platform is 
we're trying to make advancements and trying to progress in things that will affect this country in 2030, 2040, and 2050. And while I don't agree with every idea, I appreciate, respect, and acknowledge the fact that we at least put ideas forward and get the conversation going that might lead to the policy or the solution that ultimately is right in 20, 30, 40, or 50. So here's an interesting thought experiment. I want you to, and we're, we're close enough, you can tell me I'm absolutely full of shit, or well, that's a pretty interesting idea. Um, I like a lot of that stuff, right? Like, let, let's let's go back to healthcare because somehow we keep coming back to Obamacare. I know that was very relevant when you were running for office, and I think it's still relevant today, even though the Supreme Court has shut down or, or shot down the penalty and a lot of yeah. stuff that made Obamacare yeah. Obamacare. When when they were doing um, Obamacare and the Affordable Health Care Act, and they were talking about this is a human right, this is a human right. I was like, dude, I'm so sick of things being framed as a human right until every human is paying a percentage. So I didn't even realize this until I was 40 and reread the book. But somehow, some way, in my teenage years, I read uh, Flat Tax Revolution by Steve Forbes. Interesting. When, when he ran for president, he wrote this yeah. little 100-page yeah. book called Flat Tax sure. Revolution, and then he was a billionaire. He was like the first Trump or Bloomberg or whatever. He spent all this money taking out ads in the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal about why fat, flat tax. And I read that book, and it really shaped my like psyche as a young man. You believe in a flat tax? 100%. Okay. And so my thought is, is like, call... Call fucking monthly pedicures a human right that's going to be covered by the government. If 51% of the citizens want to vote in, you know, uh, monthly manis and petties for all citizens of America to be a human right. I like that. I'm all about it. Yeah, I, I, I get it <laughs> I like sometimes. a petty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like yeah, a good I'm, foot I'm, massage. I'm, I'm, I'm comfortable with my sexuality. <laughs> Me I'll too. Get, I'll get a pedicure. Me too. Um, I'm fine with that if everybody in America is paying some piece of their income into the system. Okay. But when we're currently at a point where 50% of Americans pay no income tax whatsoever and like 90% of the income tax collected comes from the top 20%, once you like segregate the taxation like that, well, then I start to go to the, well, that top 20% should probably have an in a, 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 an unequal distribution of decision-making policy on where that money goes. So okay. for me, if a Democrat came out and said, I don't care, you know, we can take the first $25,000 a year for like food and shelter, um, that's not taxed because you need at least $25,000 a year to feed yourself. Everything above that, whether you make $25,001 or $25 million a month, we're taxing at 19% because that's what we need to run the government. Awesome, then Everybody has a shared responsibility. They have a shared sacrifice. If you want to vote in the Affordable Health Care Act or free Manny Petties for life because that's a human right, then awesome. Everybody's paying into the system. But when we have this fucked up taxation system, which is probably what makes me a libertarian, where it's like, well, you know, you had kids and you have this write-off and you're, you're, you have a mortgage versus rent, so you're going to get this write-off and, oh, you can afford an accountant, so you're going to get to do this thing. Or right. you're a single mom with 13 kids, so with the earned income credit and the child write-off, you pay nothing. And Scott, who chose to only have two kids and make a lot more money, he pays when I was living in LA, 51% of my income went to taxes. It's like, well, now, now you don't get a fuck, not you. That person over there doesn't get any decision-making power because you're not paying into the coffers. So, so much of the democratic platform, I would agree with if everybody was paying something into the system. 
So, so it's like if the Democrats came out and said 20% flat tax federal doesn't matter how much you make, how you make your money, no more tax write-off, no more hedge fund billionaires hiding their money under this type of income and no, you know, the typical Reagan welfare queen, which doesn't really exist, but let's just pretend it exists. Yeah. They pay nothing and they're a net, they're a net negative on the system. Create a flat tax and you guys can vote for whatever the fuck you want. Um, that's kind of my thought. So poke holes on my theory. So in a nutshell, my objection to a flat tax is, is very simple. If you make a million dollars a year, let's say the flat tax is 20%. Make a million dollars a year, pay 200000 in taxes. Hey, Chris, throw me another cigar, man. This is going to be a long night. You can, you can do mine. No, that's all right. <laughs> What kind of cigar? I don't care. Just anything <laughs> Anything in there is good. Anything. I keep the shitty cigars in the brown box, brown box on the top. I give my friends the good ones in the humidor. You could so. go with the uh, peach mango watermelon elf bar vape if you want. Oh, by the way, we're going to talk about flavored vapes here in about 30 yes. seconds. So go ahead. <laughs> um, here's my objection to a flat tax. If you make a million dollars a year and you pay 20% taxes, you keep 800000 of your dollars. Right. Right. If you're if you make fifty thousand dollars a year, right, twenty percent flat tax, um, you're losing ten grand to that, roughly well, five. But that's okay. No one no, said Matthews or no. Shrunk. At, at 10, oh, 20 percent. Yeah, okay, yeah, I got, I got yeah. you. It'd be it'd be ten grand. When the price of milk, eggs, bread, gas is the same for for both guys, both people, the person that keeps eight hundred grand and the person that keeps forty grand. When the price of, of those goods and services is the same, the ten grand that the person that makes fifty pays is significantly more proportionally to the price of goods and services than the two hundred grand that the person that pays that makes a million dollars a year pays. That's my that's my objection to a flat tax, is that when you pay, when you make a million dollars a year and you keep 800000 of it, the price of, you know, inflation, all that things, does not affect you near to the degree that the person that makes fifty and is paying 10000 of that in taxes affects them. And I'll push back a little bit because this was something that got Mitt Romney in trouble in 2012 when he had that leaked video that said, you know, 47% of people don't pay any income tax or right. whatever. I know what you mean, and you're right. You're probably right on paper. The reality is, is it's not that they don't pay taxes. They do. They just get a refund that essentially negates what they, they so they basically right. get a refund. Yeah, earn income credit, whatever that's right. Shit. So they get a refund that's 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 close to the same amount as what they actually paid in tax. So they're paying the taxes, and then under the current tax laws. They get a refund that makes it almost a, you know, a wash, so to speak. So they almost get all of it back because of the current tax laws. And I don't have a problem with that. So, so let's, let's, I don't have a problem with that. Let's adjust for that with my theory of the first, we'll call it 30,000 just to make the math easy. So the first 30,000 for any citizen is 100% tax-free. We've decided the cost of milk and eggs and sharing an apartment with somebody, not in downtown LA, but in San Bernardino, or not in downtown Boise, Idaho, but in, uh, what's that, Picadillo or 
whatever, fucking Homedale, Idaho. Yeah, yeah, they you know, Homedale, Idaho. <laughs> my brother right? lives there, actually. Yeah, wow. one of my best friends lives in Homedale. <laughs> Pocatello. So, Pocatello. Pocatello. Pocatello, thank you. So so the first 30000 we decide, like, hey, if you got to share an apartment, have minimum housing so you're not homeless, and buying eggs and whatever, car insurance, is 30000 a year. So now we assess the 20% flat tax, not on 50000 but on anything above the 30000 Now on fifty grand of income, they're only paying four grand in taxes. 20% on that spread between 30 and 50. So now the person paying 50 grand, they pay 4,000 in taxes. Now I'm like, I, I think that's a, for somebody making 50,000 a year, not getting rich, but they're surviving. Um, they that, take that. They yeah, would take that. Of course. They would take that. Yeah, I, I, would, be, I would be down with Here's some type point, of thing though. like that. Here's the bigger point though. I'll give you a perfect example. When I ran for Congress, I did the whole uh, release 10 years of my tax returns. Right. So from 2001 to 2011, I released all of my tax returns. After my charitable contributions and um, write-offs and different things, the Idaho statesman did a full piece on it and determined that I paid like 21 or 22% effective tax rate. Right, which sounds pretty good. I was in the 35 or 39.6, I guess... During that period of time, that was the George Bush presidency, so the top rate was 35% because he cut Bill Clinton's 39.6 down to 35. Right. So the marginal rate was 35. I actually only paid 21 or 22%. Mitt Romney, when he ran that year, they did that whole expose on his thing, found that he paid like 13%. Right. So to your point, that's why I always push back Crazy, on by the way. Crazy. I always push back on this. And it's, it, this is a generalization. It, there's certainly people that could comment on our, all of our, all of our viewers could right. comment on this and say, well, that's not true for me. But for the most part, nobody pays the marginal rate. No. First of all. No if one. you are, you're stupid. Right. Most, most people that are in that millionaire billionaire class are paying effective tax rate after write-offs, deductions, loopholes, all those things are paying around 20%. Cool. Anyway. So, so this is my point. Exactly. Let's get rid of the 900,000 people that work at the IRS. Let's get rid of all the tax accountants. And, and this is straight out of flat tax revolution. Redeploy that intellectual capital to like curing cancer and just make it a flat 20%. So I, I, the only reason uh, again, I, I agree with if if you were able to write a bill that said something along the lines of what you're saying, you know, the first 30000 is not taxable. Yeah, and peg that to inflation or whatever, whatever. Whatever it is. One of the things I ran on in 2012 was this proposal. Um, it was called the Simpson-Bowles Act, and it was a bipartisan um, bill. Simpson-Bowles eliminated multiple loopholes, multiple deductions had a top marginal rate at like 25%, which at the end of the day would have meant that most people that might like myself at the time, quote unquote, millionaires, billionaires who were paying the Mitt Romney's 13, 15, 18, myself paying 21 or 22%. We would have actually paid 25%. Love it. Right. So it would have been a net, probably a net gain into the treasury coffers. Right. Um, and probably would have come across as more fair. 
it was supported, like I said, by members on both sides of the aisle, like far left, far right. People were like, I'm okay with this. Got, got resoundingly rejected by Republicans, which blew my mind. Another reason I hate Republicans. I, I, it was resoundingly rejected by Republicans. The other part of this is, and I don't want to, I don't want to come off condescending, but a lot of people don't understand how a, how the a a the tax code works or how a no sliding clue. tax scale works. They have no clue because I got in a conversation one time at the gym with a guy who got into this whole deal about how when Obama, it's in 2014 when Obama said. Uh, um, you know, couples um, at 400000 and above, he was raising the top rate on them. And this guy was saying, hey, my wife and I, you know, we own a small business. Our personal income, you know, is going to be just above 400000 He said, you know, why wouldn't I just shut my business down in November? If if I, if I start getting close to 400000 why wouldn't I just close my doors so that I don't go over... 400,000 and make, you know, 410, 420, 430 because the difference in the taxes from 35% to 39.6 that's going to cost me money. He thought it was retroactive. Well, he what he thought, Scott, was that was that once he crossed over 400,000 that all of his income was then taxed at 39.6. And I said, "Dude, you understand how a progressive tax scale works right and he was like what's that yeah he didn't he didn't understand it was marginal where you're only paying the higher tax rate on all the dollars over over. four hundred thousand. so fucking more so 399.99 cents dollar you know you're paying 35 on the 10 or 15 grand over four hundred thousand you make you'll pay 39.6 on that and it goes like that in every bracket i don't know what the brackets are i mean you gotta look at that every fucking year to know right but but you know zero to fifteen thousand is taxed at zero 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 right fifteen and now it's like, yeah. fifteen thousand to nineteen nine ninety nine is taxed at eight percent and 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 so if you make ten million dollars a year you pay zero on the first fifteen thousand right you pay whatever percent on the next fit you know yeah people don't understand that about a, a about a progressive tax scale and so I will always be in favor of of a of a progressive tax similar to what we have that I would like to see the elimination of some of those loopholes, some of those deductions on both sides. I don't think that it, look, if you're going to have a private jet, if you're Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, I'm not giving you a fucking tax break for having a private jet. Right. I'm not doing it. You know what I mean? And there's items on the other side of the aisle, on the on the lower end of the income scale, on the income spectrum, that people would argue, okay, well, we're not going to give you that. But I do think that if you look throughout the history of this country, higher taxes on higher income earners is the only time we've been anywhere close to a balanced budget. It's just the truth. Dwight Eisenhower was the last Republican president to have a balanced budget. You know what the top marginal rate was when Dwight Eisenhower? Uh, it, it was one of those 90%. But nobody 90, actually, 91%. But nobody actually paid I understand. that. They had I understand. all these fucking loopholes and shit of to get course. around. Yeah. 
when when Bill Clinton was president, the top rate was 39.6. 250 230 $230 billion budget surplus. Right. This is what I try to explain to people. The Reagan tax cut was great for economic stimulus. Do you know what happened to the national debt under Ronald Reagan? When Ronald Reagan took office, the national debt was $900 billion. When he left, eight years later, it was $2.9 trillion. That's what nobody ever talks about Ronald Reagan. He tripled the national debt. Tripled right. it. The budget deficit, the federal deficit, exploded from like $100 billion to $600 billion under Ronald Reagan. That's why George Bush was a one-term president. Because you know what he had to do? Raise taxes. taxes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... He had to. Ronald Reagan, or uh, sorry, uh, George W. Bush... He really got hosed. He like, got hosed. He was a great president. He was a great president. He he won, you know, Gulf War won in about 28 days. And all because George W. Bush wins a second term 100% if it wasn't for a Texas oil feud with Ross Perot. 100%. I, I, Chris, you're going to have to look this up. I think, in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, Ross Perot, he siphoned off, you know, a few million votes. I think if Chris no. looks this up, I think I think Ross Pro got like thirteen percent of the vote. It was like yes. Clinton forty two, uh, Bush like forty thirty nine or something, and Ross Pro like so. You got to look this up because like yes, Ross Pro filtered off yes, a shit ton of yes, votes. Yes, he did. Like Clinton is is eighteen point nine percent. Yes, Ross Pro got eighteen percent. Huge percentage and of all, the vote in the Clinton versus Bush. So what, it, what was Bill Clinton, Clinton at? Like forty-two percent, and George Bush got thirty-seven go. and a half. And there's a zero percent chance that anybody that voted for Ross Perot, if he doesn't exist, is voting for Bill Clinton. Like that whole eighteen percent goes to George W. Like probably you've got another Texas oil conservative billionaire. They're all voting for Bush if it's not for um, if it's not for Ross Perot. So it's like Bill Clinton would be a footnote in history. If it wasn't for Ross Perot, and immediately after that, immediately after that, Democrats and Republicans were like, we can never have this shit happen again. Let's change the presidential debate yep. format where we own it, yep. and we will never allow a third party That's in absolutely again. absolutely right. Just absolutely. fucking gross. I, I misspoke. I meant George H. Bush against Ross Perot, and then you said it, something interesting about George Herbert Walker Bush. I, I, I think... No, I wait, think, wait. Was, no, George Bush Sr., Yes, Herbert Walker Bush, H.W. Bush was the first was the first one. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. it's hard to argue that he wasn't the most qualified person ever to run and hold the office of president. Yeah, in terms of what he had done in the vice past. president, head vice of the CIA. president, head of the CIA, congressman. Yeah, um, wasn't his, he a uh, wasn't he like a UN diplomat to China or Japan or something like that? Uh, he, yes, don't or not UN. Um, don't quote me on that, but he, but. Chris could look that up, but he, George H.W. Bush had more knowledge of the inner workings of the, the, the U.S. government um, than, than probably anybody in history. And number two, which, Pains I, know, me. which I know you'll hate, um, throw, throw any, you know, anything we don't like about her aside, Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton was first lady. She was there yeah. in the White House. With Bill, she was a U.S. senator, and she was Secretary of State. Name another presidential candidate 
a candidate and or somebody who won the presidency that has more qualifications than those two in the history of the country. Yeah. I would say pretty close, maybe McCain. I'm sure we could go way back. We could probably go way back Modern, Modern political in our lifetime. But I would say, I mean, even, you know, I mean, if you're just going tit for tat, and I'm not saying that I disagree with with the you saying John McCain. Um, John McCain was was a U.S. senator. That was his experience in yeah. U.S. government politics. Yeah. Um, a, a side note: um, John McCain is now uh, toxic to the Republican Party. It's crazy. The fucking dude's dead, bro. Just let him go. Isn't that unbelievable, though? Unbelievable. John McCain, when when Donald Trump said John McCain's not a war hero, I was like, oh, he's done. It's over. Yeah. Yeah. And when 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 the Republican establishment allowed that, I I remember sitting in my my townhouse in Atlanta the days after that happened and and the Republican establishment was kind of like sitting on their hands. I was like, oh shit. Yeah, he's like he's like anointed. I was like, this could be dangerous. Because John McCain was the untouchable. Right. If you were a Republican and you didn't say John McCain was a war hero. It was over. It was over. It was over. So let me ask you this. Who, let's go to 2024. Who's a Republican you would vote for? Oh. Well. Caruso. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, so truth be told, and I'll, I'll admit this, kind of what you said about, you know, the division and, and like the ballot and how you're like, I yeah. can't, you know, there's there's no Republican that would run for president that I would vote for. Okay, who would I, who would I be like? Eh, okay, I can live with that. Right. It, uh, we talked about him before. He's not going to run. He's not going to be in it. But, but. I could live with Mitt Romney being the president. Right. Um, I don't know what I, what I've seen from Ron DeSantis. I'm like, man, he's, he's dangerous. Um, But I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what Ron DeSantis as a president would be like. Right. Um, I, I absolutely could not tolerate Ted Cruz as the president. Um, I, I, I would like to see what somebody like Nikki Haley could bring to the table. I like Nikki Haley, but, but divorce yourself from Trump. Yeah. He, she's the only person that got out of the Trump, uh, Trump can, uh, cabinet unscathed. I know, but she still touts that election denier, like divorce yourself from Donald Trump. I'd like to see who she is divorced from Trump. Right. Not under the influence of not feeling like she needs to say stupid shit to appease Trump. Right. Um and and the the bigger problem for me is I don't know who I would support on the Democratic side because I will say as a Democrat, we can't run Biden in 2024. No. We cannot run Joe Biden. I do not want Kamala Harris to be the nominee. I mean, she's the worst. She's the worst. She's not, first of all, she's not smart. 
she couldn't get she couldn't even get one percent of her own party's vote in the primary, which is why she didn't make it through to like the final four or the final eight or whatever. Tulsi Gabbard just fucking suplexed her on stage. She did. She like bodied her on stage. <laughs> I know. Truly. Like Tulsi Gabbard, I loved as bodied a Democrat. Her. And you know who else I would vote for as a Democrat? Like Klobuchar. Like probably has a lot of policies that I disagree with, but she seemed pretty fucking level-headed. I, I, so I like Amy Klobuchar. Um, I'm going to tell you who is the star of the Democratic Party, especially coming out of the midterms, is the governor of Michigan, Gretchen. Oh, God, I hate Gretchen her. Whitmer. I hate her. Can't do it. She's she is the new star of the Democratic Party. I will glad. I I think <laughs> I think Nikki Haley or Tulsi Gabbard defecting <laughs> to the Republicans or DeSantis is just going to eat her lunch. Like you just look at the COVID policy I, and look, they're going to eat her lunch. I I think in an open White House, Ron DeSantis will be tough to beat. He'll open be White House. Oh, open. Uh, I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. You know, they always yeah. talk about like an open seat. So mm -hmm. Biden does the. LBJ, yeah, you know, next year and says I'm not going to run, so it's right. a, it's essentially a you know. Um, but here's the dilemma: Ron DeSantis will be tough to beat. Here's the dilemma: if you're, let's call it 30, 40, 50 percent of the Democratic Party, and you're all in on the woke, the the Fuck. you know, you're just you're all in on the on not only the partisan politics, but like you know the demographics and whatnot. How can you as a Democrat be like, well, we've got a female black Californian vice president. If you pass her up, you now I abandon know. all the shit you say you care about. But you also know if you're a Democrat, she can't win the national election because she's a moron. She, like she can't she can't win. She would not win in a presidential election. I don't think she would win the nomination. Yeah. Um but like your the your party I would know. be would be schizophrenic because they'd be like, wait a minute, you know, the woke, the the you know Oh, I'd be called a racist for not not supporting her. Right, right. Truly. I and, know. And um Kamala has never done it for me. Right. Like I said, I'm proud as a Democrat that that we nominated and elected the first female vice president. Right doesn't mean that I'm saying I love Kamala Harris. Right, I don't dislike her, but I don't I don't want her to be the president. Yeah, no, no. Um, I sit. I truly. I I lay in bed at night sometimes and think about these things. Like <laughs> who 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 is on the Democratic bench that I can really get behind? You, you want to hear? I'll say this publicly. There's two people that I really like, and you're going to hate one of them. You're going to absolutely hate one of them. But I think you know me well enough to know that that presidential politics— If you say Newsom, I'm kicking you out of my house, by the way. I know you're going to say Newsom, and I'm kicking you out of my fucking house because I had to leave the state of California because of that douchebag. No, But you got to think about presidential politics. I get it. I what get why it, he could win. I just fucking hate there him. You, I know. I know. It's so much about optics. I know. Gavin Newsom. He, a, if a, he, win, if a, he runs, he might win. He's a tall, good-looking, well-spoken. I mean, he's central casting. Yeah, totally. And Democrats. And he's Pelosi's nephew, so he's got an unlimited war chest. Democrats can make the case 
that California, I mean, he's been the chief executive of the, what's California, the fourth or fifth largest economy in the world. Right. He's been the chief executive of that. So, and he's ran it into the ground, but you know, no one will care about that. But, um, but, but so, so Newsom would be, would be my top pick to run because I'm, and again, I'm only saying who do I think could win? Right. Gavin Newsom. Yeah. Okay. Cause he's got all the bona fides. Right. We're game planning. We're not saying who we like. I'm not saying that I that I love everything about Gavin Newsom or whatever. I'm saying from a, if if I was a if I was a, a democratic political operative or a strategist or, you know, if I worked for the DNC, yeah. I'm thinking we got All right, let's get- go to your number 2 cuz I fucking hate that guy. Like I hate everything about his being, about his politics, about so what my he's number, together. So my number my number 2 I'll vote for whoever. You could say fucking Bugs Bunny next no. and I'll be like, "Oh, such a better choice." My number 2 because I think he's he he is, if I can use a New England phrase, wickedly smart, fantastic communicator, great debater, super sharp on policy, very thoughtful, is Pete Buttigieg. And he would never get elected. No chance. No chance. Pete Buttigieg... In those in the in the primary in 2020, to me, this is why I'm not a Democratic strategist for the DNC. He was so far above in terms of his his demeanor, his candor, his presence, his ability to communicate a message, his debate style, his ability to stay calm and not get emotional. Um. He's a fantastic candidate. He'll never get elected. He would right. never win the presidency. Um, but he's somebody that I would love. I don't know in a in a, in a parallel universe or whatever. I I I would support Pete Buttigieg because I just think he he I think he represents what the 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 version of the Democratic Party that I agree with. He was yeah. right on healthcare. He was right on healthcare. Medicare, here's 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 what I think about healthcare. Medicare for all who want it. Yes. Yes. A public option. Yeah. Okay. If you if you have means and resources, buy private health insurance. Right. Spend whatever you want. If you're a multimillionaire, Buy the best insurance you can if you want to sign up for the U.S. Department of Healthcare. Do that. Right. That That's the path on healthcare that I think is, is the path for the future. Medicare for all who want it. And that's what Buttigieg supported and articulated. And Biden ended up adopting that policy. Of course, that'll never see the light of day. But right. But but. It's things like that that make me say, I like Pete Buttigieg. So here's the interesting thing. We could go to Medicare for all, Social Security, basically any free college for all. I don't give a shit. We could go to almost any social program, and I would say that is the model for America, like this if you want it, as long as we had like a balanced budget amendment. Because what will happen is they'll just run up a deficit where, where then they'll make the rich people who of are course. opting out pay for it with taxes. So it's not really, 
you get it if you want it. It's like you get it if you want it, and then we'll still make the wealthy people who opted out pay for it with taxation because we don't have a balanced budget. The so, only problem I have with the balanced budget amendment is, you know what Republicans won't put on the table? Defense spending. Yeah, but that's not nearly as much as people think. People always think defense spending is the biggest line item in the budget. It's not. It's not, but it's a significant portion of it. It's a big, it's a big chunk. So I'm just saying, honestly, just for just for optics, put it on the table. Right. Even if we only cut like a billion from the defense budget, just put it on the table so yeah. that we know that you're you're trying acting in good faith. In good faith. Right. Just put it on the table. Totally. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Um I, I had uh because you mentioned Newsom, I gotta bring up some California politics. California electorate is bipolar, right? So they're just bipolar. And we can go back to the Obama election where they like voted overwhelmingly for Obama, but at the same time, because it brought out so many African-American voters, in that same year, California voted um, yes for Proposition 8, which was define marriage as one man, one woman, because like, it's like, wait, wait, how can you be the most progressive state in the history of the world and say overwhelmingly, like 67%, yes to the first African-American president, but ah, this gay marriage, that's a bridge too far. You know what's funny is that you know why that that that's the case? Because because most African Americans can be should be conservatives. No, I don't agree with that. Because it's funny to think back on this, but you know, same sex marriage was not a main was not universally accepted, or or was not we were not told that it should be universally accepted until um, Obama ran until twenty twelve. Right when he ran his second term. Because because people will fact check me on this and they'll be wrong if they think I'm wrong. Dick Cheney supported gay marriage before Obama. He did 100 percent. And I'll tell you this. You know who blew the lid off of off of same sex marriage was Joe Biden. <laughs> yeah. Joe Biden said in an interview when he was vice president before Obama came out and said, we support same sex marriage. Biden in one of his gaffes, his famous Biden gaffes, said that in an, in, a, in an interview, which forced the Obama administration to then come out and say we support it. Right, and, right. And that was, I mean, that was late or mid summer of 2012. Right, right. Point is, it's it's only been 10 years. Yeah. That on a from a national perspective. Democrats have said openly and outwardly, we support that. Right, right. But to the point of the California um, so that's why if it was if it was two thousand eight, if you're talking about the first Obama election, mm -hmm. I I can I can see why a handful of people probably would have said, yeah, we don't we, we don't support that. We're not really on on that yet. Uh, so here here is where the um, here is where the California electorate is still bipolar. So now we're talking about twenty twenty two election. There was obviously, you know, all the candidates, and then there was a bunch of propositions. So, run one proposition: Should we allow? And I can't remember how it was worded. So it was yay or yeah, nay or yeah, whatever. But yeah. should we allow flavored tobacco in California? Seventy percent no, thirty percent yes. And and maybe it was worded weird, where the yes was really no, and the no is yes. But seventy percent of the electorate in California voted no way, no how should we have flavored tobacco allowed in the state? No, no watermelon no vape pens, no menthol cigarettes, because because 
we got to protect the kids. What if the kids start smoking when they're young and they kill themselves right, with flavored right, tobacco? Right. Another proposition that was on, and there was two different propositions. One of them was for sports betting online, and one of them was for uh, tribal casinos uh, allowing gambling, you know, online computers, okay. whatever. And it was like, no. It was denied 70% to 30% under the guise of we've got to protect the kids. We cannot turn every phone and every computer into a gambling apparatus where kids could get elect or addicted to uh, gambling. gambling. Separate bill. Let's make abortion up until the day of fucking delivery uh, 100% legal, constitutional protection of abortion, 70% passed yes. So like... Can't let the kids smoke flavored tobacco. Can't let the kids gamble. Murder the kids? Yeah, sure. No problem. Like 70 to 30 each one. I'm just like, I I really don't care about any of those right. particular propositions. But are you fucking bipolar? Like, like, well, we can't let the kids be born. Right. But once they're born, we got to make sure that they can't smoke a menthol cigarette. I'm yeah. like, come on, dude. I, I, I think in a lot of ways, when I voted on Tuesday, reading some of those propositions uh, I was confused they're so confusing I wanted to like call somebody and say hey do you understand you know proposition 6247 like how should I vote on that because it, the, the wording of them it's like asinine. you said you don't know I need somebody to say okay if you vote yes that means you support this if you vote no it means you don't totally that type of stuff, I'm like, make this shit really simple. Right. Like, we're grade school, like, we're sixth graders voting for this stuff. Um, California is an interesting place because, obviously, in presidential elections, it, it, it's, it's in the tank for Democrats. Right. California is a very diverse population. Northern California, the rural parts of California are yeah. very conservative. Right. Extremely conservative. But there's also a lot of of propaganda. There's a lot of, I mean, I Idaho is one of the places. So Idaho, Salt Lake City, and Austin, Texas are like the three places. And Vegas, because of you, Vegas, yeah, you know, blue dot red state. The four places where Californians who are disenchanted with California politics they move to Idaho, Salt Lake City, Austin, and you to Vegas. Yep. Right. So I come across a lot of disgruntled Californians who've moved to Idaho because they they hated California politics. Fair enough. But the reasons why they tell me they hate California politics are like asinine reasons. They they say things like, yeah, because Gavin Newsom said that that cows that fart is bad for greenhouse gas effect. And so they banned that. And so my family who has a lot of cattle had to, pay. it's like that didn't happen. Right. That's not, that's not true. And so the problem with, with California, California has, has become a target for conservatives for everything that's wrong with the world. And, 80% of the reasons why they hate California are not true. The reasons why you don't like California is because your taxes are high. Yep. Okay. And there's, and, and it's a, it's a liberal state, right? So there's going to be um, 
all the things that conservatives hate about liberals, you'll find it in California. Those are the reasons why. 100%. It's, it's not, it's not, you know. People always ask me because we, you know, my mother-in-law is a godsend. We still go down to California a lot. Most of my business is there. We still have a house there. We go back and forth, but we are residents of Nevada. People always ask me, they're like, well, you know, isn't there crime in Vegas? I'm like, yeah, of course there's crime in Vegas. Well, isn't there homeless people in Vegas? I'm like, yeah, 100%. There's homeless people in Vegas. Well, like, how is it any different than California? I'm like, well, because Nevada is not taking 10% of my income to have crime and right. homelessness and poor. Inf- it's got right. all the same problem right. that California does. But somehow, California finds a way to siphon off 10% of your income to have the same problem right. that a lot of lower income tax states don't you know have. You know what's funny? And, and, and you can educate me on this or give me your perspective on this. Conservatives are all about freedom. I've asked so many conservatives, like, why? Just in, in, in genuine conversation, why do you vote Republican? Why are you conservative? And, and I don't know. I'm probably making up the percentage. 80% of them will say freedom. Freedom. To them, that means guns, freedom of religion. California's, when you talk about freedom, people doing whatever the fuck they want to do, that's in California. Unless you're conservative. I'm just saying, but, but, but tell me that there's not a more open free love who you want to love marry who you want to marry do what the fuck you want to do smoke the weed you want to smoke do whatever the fuck you want to do right tell me tell me california's not the place for that so how that's a yes and it's okay. a yes and okay. it's a yes okay. and if you're on the correct side of the political divide it's the most free you could be right yes if you happen to be on the right side of social issues and it's like oh hey you know when i go to the gun range i like to shoot a gun and not, I have two broken thumbs from boxing. Um, I, it's a pain in the ass to fucking reload magazines. So when I reload magazines, I want to do it as few times as possible. But in California, if I want a magazine that has 20 rounds in it, that is, I'm a felon. I could legitimately go to jail for having a magazine that has 20 rounds of ammunition in it. I have to buy different magazines than the rest of the country that only has 10 rounds that go into the magazine. And so, so it's, it's stuff like so, that that's so, like, this is ridiculous. So to that point, I am a, like I said, I'm a gun owner, Second Amendment supporter. You don't need a fucking hundred round drum. What's you the difference? You don't need a 30 round clip. What's the difference? What's the difference between 30 and 25? Well, what's the difference between basically a nine plus one and 30? Okay. You go, you want to go shoot up a movie theater or a high school? There's a difference. So to me, when I talk about like gun regulation, I'm talking about things like that. But what happens to the point that we made previously, when I say gun regulation, you and, you know, not no, you, me, you can, you can point directly no, at me. You say, oh, you want to take all my guns away? Never said that. Obama was president for eight I, years. I would say that, by the way. Obama was president for eight years, right? How many guns did you surrender to the federal government under Obama? I surrendered zero, zero. guns. But, but, <laughs> but in but California. he would have. Is no, that what you're going to say? No, no. He but, would have. <laughs> but in California, and I've now moved out of California, so I can say this. In California, I purchased three firearms legally in California under their crazy mishmash of yeah. laws. 
where if I went to a public range and shot those guns today, I would be a felon. Yeah, I don't think you should be a felon. I just think those that, that a 100-round drum or a 30-round magazine should not be for sale. You want, you want to hear the most morbid thing ever? Sure. So most of this comes from school shootings, right? So it's like a school shooting happens, and there's immediate course, immediate call course, for gun reform because like having little kids shot is horrible. Have you ever shot an automatic weapon? No, I have. I, I okay. have. Okay. So in I'm gonna I'm gonna I love them. I love shooting them. By it's the amazing. way, they're fa they're fantastic. All right. So I'm going to give an education to people: who don't shoot guns. An automatic weapon is you depress the trigger one time, and it's like, all the grounds are yes. gone. Right. In Vietnam, the army got away from fully automatic rifles, what, what people will now call the M16 or the yes. AR-15. It, it was different then, but whatever. Yes. Okay, so in Vietnam, the, the army got away from automatic weapons because what they realized is soldiers in the heat of battle, these are trained soldiers in the middle of a war zone, would get so scared, they would put their gun up like this over the berm, they would pull the trigger once, and they go, 30 rounds, gone. Gone. In Eight seconds, four <laughs> seconds. Yeah. Uh, Chris, look this up. What's the cycle time on an AR-15, an automatic AR-15 for 30 rounds of ammunition? I'm going to guess it's 30 seconds. So you go, 30 rounds are gone, right? So they went to either a single round semi-automatic, which each time you pull the trigger, it goes boom, boom, boom. Or the AR-15s in the army had a three-round burst. They burst, yes. So you pull the trigger once, go da-da-da, da-da-da. Yes. Because... What they found is that automatic weapons were less reliable. They were more likely to jam, and yes. it was way less likely you were going to hit I the do target. I know this. Because yes. if, you, if you shoot an automatic weapon, you go, and, and as it, you do that, the barrel rises, yes, 100%. and you don't shoot your target. Okay, Chris, what did you find out? Depends on which rifle is using the .30-06 round. The .30-06 round uh, with automatic firing is at a rate of 500 to 650 rounds per minute. Jesus. The, since, yeah. the, since the AR-15 is a semi-automatic rifle, it is much shorter, the 500 to 650 rounds per minute. Nobody controlled the trigger that fast. And then the M16 is 45 to 60 rounds a minute semi-automatic. Okay, so, there you go. So if you, if, you go, if you go automatic, you can shoot all the rounds in your magazine in about two or three seconds. All right, so let's go back to the school shooting. You have a school shooter. He has one magazine with 30 rounds in it. He takes the automatic weapon. He goes, and the the first of all, he can't hit shit because he's not a a seasoned military shooter. And the barrel rises. He's not going to hit shit. A semi-automatic weapon actually makes a school shooter more, more effective because he goes, boom. Oh shit! I gotta re I gotta retarget and pull boom, the trigger. Yeah. Boom! Retarget. So so you as a fourteen year old not seasoned Navy SEAL with an automatic weapon and me with a semi-automatic. The rules that we've put in place around guns by outlawing automatic weapons and only allowing semi-automatic weapons, we've actually made school shooters more effective. Yeah, that 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 could be a fair point. So uh, it's my, crazy. I ag ag agreed with that. My only point is that I only want him to have nine plus one in the chamber. I, 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 we'll go in the garage. I'll show you how quickly you can I change know, out a magazine. I understand. I'm just saying, like, one of the things that... Again, I'm, I'm a JFK guy. Back in the 60s, when JFK was pushing for Medicare, he gave a speech that I, I have the video of it on my phone. And he said, this bill will not solve all of our problems. And he said, we did a, a housing bill for seniors last year. And people said, that, that won't solve all the, all the problem for 
homeless seniors. And he said, we did some other bill. And they said, that won't solve our prob- all the problem. And, and then he, he finished his speech and he said, is that any reason why we shouldn't try? So my thought on policy was my thought on Obamacare. It's my thought on clean energy, you know, the Green New Deal. Any policy that comes across the desk of the United States Congress or the president, it's impossible a country this size to sign one bill to solve all of our problems. Is that any reason why we shouldn't try? Let me give you my version of try on the gun thing. Okay. Forget this silly clip that and make that. Uh, uh, that's a good. A tic- that, that's a TikTok. A good, that's a good. That's a clip. That's a good clip. We're gonna. We're <laughs> two hours and forty seven minutes in. That's gonna be a good one. Um, all right. Here's my thought on guns. The 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 incremental because like I would have more respect for Democrats if they would just come out and be like, hey man. Eventually, we want a full gun ban, and first we're going to do magazines down from 30 to 20 to 10, and then we're going to say AR-15s have to have this special safety, and then I would just have more respect for them. I like, understand. Hey, we don't believe in guns. We're going to incrementally I understand that. All right, cool. So here's my Republican thought on this, because I think gun ownership is a right, and people frequently fuck up the responsibility. They do. So when these parents don't secure their firearms— and then their kids go shoot up a school, and they're like, well, we can't prosecute the parent because they've already been through so much. Right. Their kid was right. killed by the cops, and they right. were a mass... No, fuck that. You didn't secure right. your firearms. You should go to jail for the rest of your life. Um, so my thought is, pass whatever screening process you want. If Scott's got to... T- uh, treat it more like a pilot's license. Uh, Sam Harris... Beautiful. Sam Harris said this on his podcast. You could kill somebody pretty easily by getting a plane as a pilot and not knowing what you're doing. Yes. So, uh, you know... 120 hours of training, uh, a psych eval, a, a, a stringent licensing process, uh, background checks. You got to update your continuing education every five years. I have to take more continuing education every year to do your mortgage than I have to do yes. to own a firearm. Agreed. That's crazy. Agreed. So make it in. I, I got to take a psych test, a background check. You got to come. You got to come check my house to make sure I have a, a safe to properly yes. secure my firearms. I've got to like renew for the license every five years. I've got to do some public uh, service. I've got to register it like you do your car. That's fine. And most places you have to actually. Yeah, that's kind of I know. I know. I know. Um, I have to pay for a annual insurance policy, hundred bucks that goes to something so that if my kid does shoot off somebody's foot, they're taking care of all right. that stuff. Right. Once I go through that, if I want to own a fucking rocket launcher, you have to sell me a rocket launcher. Sure. Like there's just there's no restrictions because we have the Second Amendment. You want to make me jump through some holes to execute my Second Amendment right because you need me to have more responsibility? Awesome. But once I prove to you that I have that responsibility, if I want a tank in my driveway, you have to sell me a tank. <laughs> like, that's that's the rule. Listen, so it's funny because we agree on this issue. This is what I wish Democrats and Republicans in the United States Congress could do. Because you and I could come up with a gun safety bill, whatever you want to call it, and find common ground. Right. I don't want to take your guns away, Scott. Right. I just want to make sure that you're a responsible gun owner. 100%. That's all I want to do. 100%. I don't have any problems. I love, well, I can't say I love guns. I like guns. I've got a gun, My I've got a, a, a Smith & Wesson Sigma 9 in my, in my nightstand. I love going to the range and shooting uh, 
any any form of a 223, I fucking love it. Right. It's fun. It's cool. It's whatever. I just want to make sure that if you're going to own that weapon that, that you're responsible to take right. care of. And I know that's a, you know, people will say, well, you can't stop it. You know, if criminals want to get their hands on guns, I get it. Yeah. But I go back to well, the Well, you can point. make it harder. Right. But I go back to the point I made. Is that a reason why we shouldn't try? Right. We can't stop you. every person from driving drunk. But we have, we have, we have stopped so many drunk driving accidents by instituting and implementing laws against drunk driving. Like so many of these things, big picture, that are problems in our country that we can, we can try, we can do something about, even though it won't solve all of our problems. Immigration. When I was running for Congress in 2012, the guy that I was running against, everything that I proposed, he said, that won't solve the problem. I, and I said to him, is that any reason why? What if it solves some of the problem? What if it makes some impact? What if it makes some difference? And that's where, politically, that's where I fall. We got to do things that we think are right. Regardless of whether we think it'll solve the entire problem or not, we got to do what we think is right and move in that direction. And that's why I supported Obamacare. Dude, wasn't the best bill? You know, what, you know what would make a great study? I just thought about this. And if there happens to be any grad school student listening to this, which I don't think there is, but if there is, contact me. I'll pay for the study. This would be a great, does government solve the problem or does private industry solve the problem? Hey, Chris, can you look this up? When did the, when did the DUI limit in America kind of universally go from 0.10 or 0.12 down to 0.08? So we've got to be getting pretty close. We got to get pretty I close mean, the, to the where... quick and dirty of it is that the federal government uh, pretty much refused to give money to states that didn't enact a point oh eight right thing about they withheld the federal highway yeah like, like yeah. you can make it whatever you want but we're not going to give you any highway money and most states get about ninety percent of their yes, highway they money do. from the yeah. government so. so so here's an interesting stat let we could we could kind of test for like did the federal government solve more problems or did private industry solve more problems? So you could look at like, what's the 15 years from when the federal limit went from 0.12 to 0.08? And that all happened in 2004. Okay, so take 0.12 to 0.08 and then take the invention of Uber and Lyft to, to now and be like- It's a great point. And be like, where are there more DUI accidents, drunk driving sure. incidents, drunk driving tickets? I wonder if the government's saying, hey- I'm going to point my finger at you. You could go to jail for a DUI 0.12 to 0.08 versus like advent of new technology where it's like, hey, if you're drunk, use Lyft. But I wonder which one decreased the drunk driving rate more. Be, I, I would be fascinated to know. So would I. And I have no opinion on the answer. Yeah. I just like, I want to know. But, but I'll make this point. I talked to so many conservatives when I was running for office and in the time since that say things like, the government can't do anything right. Private industry should do everything. Talk to so many far the left wing of the party, the Democratic Party, that say government should do everything. All corporations are evil. Again, it's always a combination of both. There are things that the government doesn't do well that private industry can do well. There are things that private industry fucking sucks at that the government does better. Yeah. That's a fact. And some, and here's the truth. Most people don't understand 
how much synergy there is between private industry and the, especially in the defense department. Yeah. I mean, the defense department relies heavily on private industry. So many other aspects of the federal government rely on private industry to do things that they want done, but they don't want to be responsible for. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a there's a marriage and a synergy in this country of the government and private industry that I think if we could ever come to the middle on, we could see that there's there is a value in both. It's not one or the other. There's a value in both of those. Private industry has solved so many problems in this country, but so is government. Government's not always right. Government spends a lot of Wastes a lot of money. Private industry doesn't always get shit right. Somewhere in between on some of these issues, we got to have some type of, you know, teamwork to use a, to use a very cliche word. I think that's where a lot of these type of problems would be solved. To your point, I'd love to know what the, what the, what the actual data on that study is. I think Uber, Lyft, those kind of things. Government should be, not saying they're not, should be cheering that on because I would assume that the number of drunk driving accidents has had to have fallen precipitously because of yeah, right? the ability to just say, I'm drunk, I'm calling a fucking Uber. Yeah, for 12 bucks I can get home. I'm going home. Yeah. I, I, I would think. Maybe we're wrong. But, you know, again, that that's something that, We've decided in our politics that Republicans, generalization, think private industry. I've heard guys say, like, there's nothing the government does that private companies can't do better. And that's bullshit. That's not true. Democrats say the government can do everything better than private industry. And that's not true either. Right. So there's got to be some type of middle ground where we can say, yeah, private industry can do this better. So let's have them do it. Government can do this better. Let's have them do it. Um, you know, that, again, it, we've come to a place where these things are, we're so black and white on these things. You know, we're, we're so absolute on certain things that are like, you know, the Constitution, you know, the Second Amendment. These things are not absolute. The First Amendment is not absolute. I hear so many people, again, back to the ignorance of the general public. I'm sorry for saying that, but it's true. Getting getting your account removed from Twitter, it's not a violation of your First Amendment rights. I'm not crying because of your statement. I'm I understand. crying because I... Blew some ash I know in my I'm, eye. I'm. I know I'm touching a You're really touching here. I'm my really soul. Touching yes. your soul. Yeah. But but you getting you getting banned from Twitter. Sorry, that's not a, that's not a violation of your First Amendment rights. Right. You getting thrown in prison for something you say about the federal government. That is right. But you you being a dumbass talking shit on Twitter and getting banned is not a violation of your First Amendment rights. These things are not absolute. You don't, like, the Second Amendment doesn't mean that you can 
own anything, do anything, shoot anything. I think I should. I think I should be able to own a tank, but that's just me. <laughs> I disagree. But by but the way, fine. The Twitter thing is going to be a great example because Twitter, for the first fifteen years of his existence, obviously leaned very hard left, and it was like, "Hey, man, private business. You don't have a. You don't have an unlimited First Amendment right if you're playing on our platform." So we can kick you off anytime we want. And I agree with that. I, I, you know, the section 239 or whatever that, you know, publishing thing is that they've been arguing about and Ted Cruz has been fucking screaming and Twitter is the public square. It's like, dude, Twitter is not the public square. There's right. Facebook, there's this, that, whatever. But the, the, the left wing, hey man, you don't want to be on Twitter? Go build your own thing. All right, well now we have an exact replica case study where Elon Musk said, cool man, I'm a First Amendment absolutist. You want to jump on Twitter now and say the N-word or post porn or do whatever you want to do? It's the fucking Wild West because I am a First Amendment absolutist. So, you know, whereas the Republicans were losing their mind for 15 years over Twitter, right. now the Democrats are losing their mind over Twitter. Do you agree with that, though? And, do you think? And, do you and think, guess what? The world's not going to end either way. No, it's not. It's not. But do you agree with that? Do you think, do you think, take somebody like... Because it's been in the media lately. Kanye West. Oh, bro, we're going to have a good conversation about this. I'm just saying, somebody with that type of influence and that that large of a platform, and I'm not, I'm not speaking on what he said or didn't say. Right. Do you think that LeBron, Kanye, Jay-Z, who's, who, you, you named some other... Uh, Alex Jones. Alex Jones. Um, people with... Those Kim Kardashian, uh, The Rock, can, can should have the right to say whatever the fuck they want to say? Yes. You do? Yes. So that's just something we fundamentally disagree on. Yeah. Because... But can I tell you why? Sure. I, I don't mind... Kanye West is a perfect example. I actually posted on Facebook, and I know I've lost one realtor relationship over this because she now thinks I'm an anti-Semite and she's a Jew. Um... I posted on Facebook that like, hey, haven't listened to the interview yet, but I'm very glad that um, Lex Friedman, uh, a Russian Jew whose uh, grandparents fought in World War II against the Nazis and whose parents fled Russia after the fall of uh, communist yeah, Russia. Yeah, he's an interesting. Because, he's interesting, because it got really yeah. difficult for Jews yeah, to live there. Sure. Um, he interviewed Kanye. And I was like, I don't care what they say. I don't care if the podcast is shit or the podcast is amazing. The fact that the conversation is happening is the most important thing. And, and here's the reason why. Let's just, I think Kanye is probably bipolar and uneducated and he's, he's losing his goddamn mind. Whatever, yeah. But let's just say Kanye West is an anti-Semitic, Jew-hating asshole. Is it better for him to live behind the curtain and have influence over billions of dollars and industry and, and other people that work for him or are scared to lose their living? Is it better for him to have that influence secretly or is it better for him to say this crazy shit out loud, Lex Friedman debate with him about it, and then Adidas be able to say like, oh man, this, this guy's a crazy anti-Semite. We should probably end his contract. Like, I think it's better for the speech to be out there and then everybody let the chips fall where they are than like, oh, well, no, no. If we cancel speech, that's just going to cause Kanye West to be an anti-Semite behind the curtain. And he could probably do more damage behind the curtain than if he just lets it all out there and is like, I'm fucking crazy. Again, you it's one of the reasons why I love and respect you so much because you make a very more than valid point. Yeah. Like I I 
haven't thought of it in that context. Um, I, I don't disagree with the idea of saying, essentially, let these people expose themselves. Yeah, let them say whatever the fuck they want. And then you and I can decide. And then we can decide and they can. And, but, but so then, then the next step of that, are you okay with them being canceled? Yeah. Well, because let me I, take that back. I, I'm okay with individual private companies saying uh, Twitter, Adidas, HBO, being like, we're never doing a contract with Kanye West again. What I'm not okay with is the stuff that we're coming out, that we're seeing come out now, where the you know Secretary of Health said, oh, we think we believe this about COVID. Let's call Twitter and tell them to censor all the people that are speaking in opposition. Once the government private Agreed. entity crosses over, then I'm all out. Then I become an anarchist and I'm a crazy motherfucker who wants to burn it all down. I I, I don't disagree with that. Right. Um. I I like where you're at on on your first point because I I think about myself. One of the reasons why I don't post a ton about political stuff anymore is because I, I'm in business. I have a business, right? right? I've got my own. I'm a self-employed entrepreneur that works Shameless self-promotion. Shameless self-promotion. Buy, build a pro. Be a pro. Had too much string tight. <laughs> Buy, be a pro by Jimmy Ferris. Please, I hope, Great no, book. I hope nobody that hopes to hire me or has ever hired me listens to this. <laughs> it's going to be amazing. I love it. You're going to get so many new clients. I know. <laughs> but I, I have censored my own thoughts and opinions and... Because it doesn't really matter, right? Whether I like Trump or not, or whether what I think about the midterms, it doesn't fucking matter, honestly. And for my own self preservation, I stopped getting in Facebook wars and posting things on Facebook that might be incite uh, that might incite people to you know. Um, Disagree, you know, all these different types of things that that started happening in 2015, 2016. Obviously, when when Trump started running, I was I was really active on Facebook. But when I got into business for myself and I was working with clients that are on who knows all ends of the political spectrum. I. I accepted the responsibility that if I get on Facebook and say a bunch of stupid shit. That I could lose business, I could get, quote unquote, canceled. And I understand that responsibility. I admire Kanye for saying, like, I guess I don't care right. about being canceled. What I dislike is people... Way easier to get canceled when you've got, you know, $8 billion exactly. in the, in the I coffers. Mean, right. Like, please understand that I'm not even remotely comparing myself <laughs> to Kanye at all. What I dislike is when you're somebody in that position that goes out and says, what I in my opinion, is some stupid shit, and then yeah. you get canceled, and then you want to play the victim. Right. No, that's that's lame. You say stupid shit, you go out and, and, and if you're a white guy, a business guy, and you call, and, you, and you, you're, you're on, t or you, you go out and talk about black people or black and brown Latinos in a certain way, you don't get to play the victim right. for getting canceled. Right. You don't get to do that. You said some dumb shit, in a, in a capitalistic society yep. where conservatives loves to say, hey, let the market decide. The market we fucking decided. We don't want you. 
Dude, this is the We're Michael not Jordan support thing. You. Right. Michael Jordan. He said famously Republicans said Republicans buy shoes too. Exactly. That's the only way you know he was a Democrat, because he didn't say Democrats buy shoes too. But like he said, Republicans buy shoes too. I'm just gonna shut my fucking mouth and sell as many shoes and Oakleys as I can. He's taken a lot of heat for that because Michael Jordan is a person of influence who could who right. could speak out and maybe sway opinions in certain directions. Now, he made a decision that was best for him. I don't necessarily respect Michael Jordan for that. I understand why he did right. that, though. Right. Right? Um, but the point is, like, yeah, say whatever the fuck you want to say. Don't play victim when you get canceled for it. Right. Period. I'm that, with you. That, that's all. Uh, so I, what, What's his name? Uh, uh, fuck. The, Dave Chappelle has the best take on this ever. He's like, yeah, I understand why some people censor themselves. But I have fuck you money. What's the use of having fuck you money if I can't say fuck you? I don't have that yet. <laughs> yeah, me, me neither. I don't have that yet. I probably fucked myself one out of a One thing I money. will say, though, one thing I will say, probably the one thing I admire about Donald Trump, and I would ask any of our viewers, in a side note, please comment or DM me at Jimmy Ferris on all social media. F-A-R-R-I-S, because I could never spell your... I always want to put it... Yeah. I always wanted to be like That's Ferris more, Bueller's Day Off. Yeah, it's the more normal spelling. Um, if you can name one redeeming quality that Donald Trump possesses, I'll give you a thousand bucks. Okay? As a side note, the one thing I, I respect about Trump is he understood the value of polarization. And you understand that. In order to be loved, you, you, you also have to be hated. And Trump figured out that the more people hated him, the more the people that loved him would love him. Right. And he created an almost cult-like following of people who maybe in the beginning were like, hey, I like Trump. And then they saw how many people fucking despised him. Right. And... Five years later, they're like, I fucking love Trump. Right. Polarization creates deeper love, affection, attachment than being lukewarm. You know? Yeah. We can go Bible on that, right? What What's the Bible say? That, that, that those that are lukewarm will be spit out of his, you know? Like, yeah. either be all for it or all against it. But lukewarm... Trump realized, I know everything I say yeah. is going to completely alienate 50% of the population of this country. But these other 50 motherfuckers, the other 50% of these motherfuckers are going to love me. Yeah. Right? Maybe you and I should take a page out of that. Maybe, maybe we should we be should. more hated. Because 50% is still a lot of people. That's a lot of people. Dude, you know who had a really, right after the election, so, you know, the election was on Tuesday or whatever, meet the press, Chuck Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd. Had a really good introspective on this for about one week, and then he went back to the, Chuck you know, Todd. NBC party I line. I know, yeah. But the Sunday after the election, he had a really good introspective on this, and he's like, you know, this is before they decided it was Russian collusion and everybody was racist and whatever. He's like, I can understand why people voted for Trump. And he, he said something that we should try to find this clip, Chris. And Chuck Todd some, said something to the equivalent. He said, he said, you know, when I look at how we've been classifying 
Trump voters, flyover states, non-college educated, you know, low to moderate income. He's like, those are some really derogatory terms where if my <laughs> grandfather- true, but derogatory. Yeah, where if my grandfather saw me talking about people like that, there's plenty of farmers Agreed. that never went to college that are smart, Agreed. hardworking people. And we, at, or he didn't say we, he said the Democratic Party, him, um, we have alienated these people and vilified them and Agreed. Trump struck that chord. And then, you know, two weeks later, they were all in on Russian collusion. Oh. But for that brief moment in time, the Democrats were being pretty introspective where they're like, oh, we've kind of we've kind of alienated this 50.01% of the populace yes, by insulting them because they didn't go to, to an eight-year college. Yes, we have. And we continue to do that. Yeah. We continue to do that. Um, it's a big problem. Um, Hillary's deplorable statement, the oh, basket man. of deplorables. Yeah, that I think that really cost her the, the I election. honestly can say that that single statement may have cost her the election. Now- what she was referring to was a basket of them, which is true. Yeah. On both sides. Right. But it was really easy to spin that as, oh, all of us? Right. Right. When what she was referring to was was a small handful, a basket of them, which which is true. Right. Um. I, I don't disagree with you. I, I, I understand the grievance of the Trump voter. Hey, fuck you guys. Yeah. You know what? But what's funny to me is how is how in the world Donald Trump became the representative of those people. Because you know what Trump thinks about those people? He doesn't give a fuck about them anyway either. He he thinks they're they're more trash than the Democrats do. Right. He thinks that the the welfare trailer park living Mississippi white person quote unquote white trash Mississippi he thinks they're more deplorable than Hillary Clinton does right he's never even met one of them and somehow he became that person's messiah that blows my mind yeah that that part blows my mind I'm not saying that Democrats have reached those people I'm not saying that Hillary Clinton was was the advocate for those people. I'm saying how in the world Donald Trump became the Messiah for that person blows my mind because he doesn't give a fuck. Donald Trump has never left Trump Tower. Right. Born and raised in New York, lived 50 years of his life in Manhattan, 40 years of his life in Trump Tower. He doesn't care about you. Do you know what I think, and again, I won't use the term Republican and Democrat, do you know what I think more conservatives can do that liberals can't? And this is why this is why poor Appalachian Mountain, I'm just going to use derogatory terms, inbred poor rednecks will vote for Trump and not Hillary, is I think conservatives, for whatever reason, versus liberals in the mindset, not Democrat versus Republican, have the ability to feel like two things are true at the same time. Okay. Where liberals maybe not as not as much. Okay. So it's like I, I think a a liberal, like you said, Mississippi voter who's made less in their lifetime than Trump claims to make in a month can say, that guy doesn't really know me. That guy doesn't really understand me. And two things can be true at the same time. Like, if I won the lotto, I would aspire to be that guy. That's it. No, that... Like, that. I, I think, you know, like, for me, I can say... 
uh, shout out to my friend Robin. We have amazing drop down, drag out, you are a piece of shit fight on Instagram all the time. My DMs, if my wife ever sees my DMs between me and Robin, <laughs> she's like, either Robin's a guy or you're cheating on me. Right. Or this is the weirdest relationship right. you have with a with a straight woman. <laughs> we argue all, like she calls me a piece of shit. I call her an ignorant fuck. Like we just go at it. Right. But two things can be true at the same time. I think she's a, a wonderful human being who's yes. a realtor who I yes. get referrals from. And I think she's a crazy progressive liberal. And she thinks... <laughs> I, even though I've told her many times I'm libertarian, she's like, you are a crazy MAGA Trump supporter and you're a great lender, so every time I need financial advice, I'm going to call you. I've never thought that about you, but for the record, and I know you know that. Like, right. I, I, I've never thought that about you. Most Californians that I didn't like wear a Hillary t-shirt think right. I'm like this of MAGA course. Republican. Of course. The only red hat I have is it says... Uh, it says make carne asada great again. And I, <laughs> I bought I bought it in San Diego as a joke. I and I was wearing it back to the hotel because I bought it at this amazing taco stand that's world yeah, famous yeah, down yeah. San Diego. And like eight people looked at me that way they wanted I to beat my ass. And I was it. like, carne asada, bro, yeah. not Trump. And so yeah. I, I I retired that hat because <laughs> I was gonna get beat up. But I, I think for some reason conservatives have a little bit more of ability to to think like, all right, two two things can be true at the yes. same time. I'm a hardcore religious fundamentalist. And I'll vote for a guy, Herschel Walker, who's who's paid for five abortions because I want him to win. Where I think a little bit more so, liberals have this purity test of like, well, if you're not all in on double mastectomies for 13-year-olds because they said one day they wanted to be a boy, then you're not a real Democrat. Uh, that part is true. I, I agree with you on that. And and I think, I think the point that you made about the aspiration of the poor white Republican is as true as anything we've said that why, why would a, and again, I don't say this, these things derogatorily. I'm just, I, I don't know how else to say it other than to use the, the words that we use to describe this. A, a poor white Mississippi, Alabama, Arkansas, Idaho, that gets welfare, every form of government stimulus, that their livelihood is reliant on the help, the social safety net that they get, vote for candidates that campaign against Everything that keeps them alive in a house with heat on and with a few bucks in their bank account. Why would they do that? But do it's you think because they aspire. Right. They aspire more. To be Trump. Right. Well, this is. They vote for they vote for tax cuts for billionaires because they say one day. Right. I want to be a billionaire. And when I'm a billionaire, I want those same tax cuts. But they reject I'll give you a perfect example, and I don't want to. I don't want to carry on too long. When I, too when late. I, when I ran, I know. When I ran in 2012, there was a county in Idaho. I won't name it. Two thirds of their budget, two thirds of their budget for highways, schools, infrastructure. So like the money that they used to plow the road when it snowed came from the federal government. It was in the transportation bill. Two thirds. So in other words, if that money went away, they they can't they cease to be able to function as a county. I did a town hall in that in one of the little towns in that county, 
And I said, do you know that that your representative, the incumbent, voted against the transportation bill? Meaning that if he had his way and that bill didn't pass, you all would lose two-thirds of the federal funding that keeps this city afloat. And they said, we don't want the federal money. And I had no answer for that. I had no, I, I was right. like... Okay. I wish I would have had something quick to come back with. So they they that mindset, those individuals will consistently vote against their own self-interest because they're aspiring to be something above what they currently are, and so they'll vote for the candidate that speaks to the person that they wish to be. Right. Which is Donald Trump. Right. And and I was just, I wrote this down because I didn't want to lose the train of thought. And it's exactly the same thing you did. So I think Republicans and Democrats do it the same way. They'll vote for something that's against their own best self-interest because you can say aspirational, you can say yes. principled. You know, may, maybe some people are just really principled where they're like, yeah, I got to live off the government now, but my principles are I really wish I wasn't. Because Republicans will do that all day long. They'll vote for tax cuts that are against their best self-interest because they feel like it's principled. Right. But just to push back, liberals will do the same thing where, you know, the the average, we'll call college-educated urbanite liberal will vote in favor of policies for abortion. You know, they will support a woman's right to be a stripper or a hooker, or they will say, hey, we, we've got to make sure we have these huge social safety nets for single moms. But meanwhile, if you look at their actual demographics, they're not having abortions. They're not single mom. They're they're not they're, they're they're more likely to be in middle a, class families in a, in with, a middle class marriage family. You know, my, right. my my favorite one is like the feminist lie of like all liberal, strong, college educated voters are voting for you know women in the workforce. Blah blah. And then if you drill down to the demographics, liberals are more likely to have a stay at home mom and a husband who's a sure. higher earner sure. than a poor, we'll call it Republican family, who both individuals are working. So it's like both parties are raving hypocrites where if you're being the most generous, you could say, well, they're voting on principles and then they have their own self-interest. Agreed. But really they're just hypocrites. So so for me personally, to to, to address that, um, as an example, I don't have kids in school. I'm, I don't have kids. I will vote for um, levies, school levies to build new high schools. Just happened in my hometown a couple years ago. They had a, they had a bond for a new, new high school. And it failed the first time. And I remember the messaging coming out of that where a lot of people were like, and it was like a, a $100 a year raise in their property taxes. Right. Fixed income, like hundred dollars is hundred dollars. Who am I to say, come on, hundred bucks, whatever. I don't know what your income is. Somebody on a fixed income that might make a difference. People said things like, well, I'm, I'm in my fifties. I don't have kids in high school anymore. So I'm not going to vote for a new high school because it doesn't benefit me. I have said from, I remember the, the first, when I got my, my checks after the Super Bowl, 2002, it was like February of 2002, I was back at my parents' house in We, we forgot to talk about the fact that I you know. won a Super Bowl with the Patriots. We're going to have to do a second podcast yeah, tomorrow. No, that's okay. Um, 
I got those first checks from the Super Bowl. And I remember I I remember I think for winning the Super Bowl, we got like we got like 34 grand, maybe. I could be wrong about that. But I remember looking at that check and I remember saying to my dad, I was like, holy shit. Look at how much they took out in taxes. He was like, Yeah, welcome to <laughs> welcome, You made it. Welcome to America, you know. And I remember having a conversation with my dad. I was like, wow, I can't believe they, like, what is, sounds like I was just this ignorant 22-year-old or whatever, but I was just genuinely curious. I was like, my first year out of college, I was making money and and went from broke to the highest tax bracket in the country. And I said, why did they take that much out? And he said, well, you know, the federal and state income taxes, it pays for roads and bridges and schools and um, you're paying into Social Security and Medicare and these different things. And, and I remember thinking like, oh, I'm okay with that. And to this day, I am okay paying taxes for things that don't benefit me because I think that, I, I understand that people will say, well, the government, you know, misallocates tax dollars and all that. That's, that's a different argument. But on the, the basis of saying, like, what they say that our tax dollars do supports the military, supports public education, these different things. I look at somebody like myself and I'm like, I've been so fucking fortunate in my life. I'm totally okay with paying for things or voting for things that don't necessarily affect me, but I know that they make somebody else's life better. Or I, I'd like to think that they do. If they're, if they're actually done the way they're supposed to be done, they'll make somebody else's life better. I have no problem that my tax dollars go to the food stamp program. I've never had to be on food stamps. I'm fortunate that I don't have to be. And so for me, to your point, the reason why maybe I'm quote-unquote guilty of voting for things that are, that are not in my self-interest or that don't directly benefit me is because I like to think that if those things are really funding the programs that they're supposed to, that the government tells me that they are, it's okay that, that my hard-earned tax dollars are paying for somebody else's benefit that hasn't been as fortunate as me or that hasn't had the same lot in life that I've had. That's, the, that's not to say that I'm ignorant of waste, fraud, and abuse, and people right. that abuse those programs. I mean, of course. of course. I like to think that my hard-earned tax dollars that the government takes from me are going to programs that help people that haven't been as fortunate as me. I'm happy to vote for programs that don't affect me. Um, I'm a man. I don't ever have to face um, somebody telling me that I can't have an abortion. But I'm happy to vote for a woman's right to choose what's right for her, even though it's never directly affected me. That's that's how I look at some of those issues. Um, some of them are obviously more complicated than others, but broad view, general perspective, like maybe I do vote against my own self-interest. And in most cases, I'm happy to do that if I if I can rationalize that somebody else is benefiting from that. I don't have to be directly involved. I don't have to have kids in a high school to vote for a new high school because somebody else's kids are going to reap the benefits of being in a brand new school with 
great technology and great classrooms and, you know, all those type of things. Yeah. I don't have a problem with that. And and by the way, if I'm like steel manning the liberal argument for more taxes or being comfortable with taxes, I would say one day I'm going to be 85 with lip cancer and bowel cancer from the cigars. And I'm going to need one of those high school students who became a nurse because they made it through, you know, 12th grade to wipe my ass and change my fucking bedpan and give me my drugs and all that stuff. So there, there is a greater societal benefit to voting for things that aren't directly in your own self-interest right this moment because they probably will somewhere down the line. At some point. Like, I'm really glad there was a government subsidy so that SolarCity and Tesla could become the company they are because I think they're going to solve the problem of fossil fuels And if one they day. don't, they're making a step in the right direction. Right, right. It might not be Tesla, right. but but they started the conversation and they got the ball rolling. Right. And maybe it'll be some other company that ultimately changes society. But Tesla started it. And that's right. why I'm happy to support that. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's things like that. Like, and again, I don't, I don't, I don't say that to say like, you know, I'm so great. You should think, but that's just my thought process on, on all of these things. Like, I think the difference is you have a thought process, which is well, why, very which true. is why I respect your opinion. And I had you over for dinner. And, and in my likewise, house. likewise. Yeah. yeah. That's why we can have these kind of discussions. Why can't, why can't Democrats and Republicans in the United States Senate talk like this? They got money to raise, bro. They got, they got corporate interests. They got voters to appease. Fucking to me, that's the tragedy of American politics. We live in a, in a, I say quote unquote, because I don't feel like this is true. I mean, it is on paper, a representative democracy. You know what that means? That means you elect me to represent your interests. And when you see senators and members of the, the house of representatives in districts that their constituents, 65, 70% feel one way about a bill and then they go on the House or the Senate floor and vote in opposition of that because the party line is that you have to oppose this or you have to support this. That's, that's the antithesis of what representative democracy. It truly is. It truly is. We, we're so far from that, it, it, it's unbelievable. And, and that's why, because, again, I got to raise money, so I got to support the fossil fuel industry because they're fucking writing campaign checks, and I got to win re-election, so I got to be against Tesla. I got to be against clean energy, even though I think, actually, it's probably pretty good for the country, probably yeah. pretty good for the world. And the best car I've ever driven is a Tesla. I'll never for the rest of my life not own Are a Tesla. Are they not amazing? They're <laughs> amazing. I, I agree. I agree. But so it's it's these kind of things that, you know, you asked me five hours ago when we started this <laughs> if I'd ever run again. Um, I don't think so because, you know, I hope that that I've come across this, like, genuine and authentic. I hope that, that people understand that, the reason why I ran was because I genuinely felt I could make some type of change. I genuinely felt that I could speak to people and connect with people on a on a visceral and and personal level, um, and 
have a seat at the table when some of these things were being debated and I, and I could have an opinion on that and possibly, I, I think one of the greatest things about being in, in politics is that with one stroke of the pen, you can change the lives of millions and millions of people. The right policy, the right bill can change the lives of millions of people. I think that's so powerful. And I was so intoxicated with that idea. I just don't think that's, I mean, it's still technically true. I just don't, it's just, I don't think that's possible anymore, man, because we're so, we're so far from thinking about what would be the most beneficial to our fellow man. And we're on the side of, What's my party think about that? Like, Obamacare in Idaho, the Medicaid expansion provision in Obamacare would have provided health care, Medicaid, for 250,000 Idahoans who were uninsured. That's in 2012, so 10 years later. Significantly more than that. It's probably more than that. And what do you think the, the, the Republican governor and the Republican Idaho legislature did? They sued the federal government over the Medicaid expansion mandate in Obamacare. 250,000 people in your state that are suffering, dying, not going to the doctor over their diabetes or their high blood pressure, whatever. Just because, hey, fuck Obama. Hey, fuck the Dems. Own the libs. We're going to deny that provision. It's things like that, that that make me say, I don't, I, you know, I, I don't want anything to do with that because, because I'm just one person. And I, I, when I got into politics, I was, I was overly idealistic. I used to love JFK used to say, I'm an, I'm an idealist without illusions. I was an idealist with illusions, <laughs> right? I was fucking delusional thinking that I could do something, that I could be a small part of the change in this big cog. And I just don't believe that anymore. And well, so I want to I wanna reach individuals uh, through different mediums. Um, I want to I wanna try to help in whatever way I can. I just don't know that, that I was once very idealistic about politics, um, about... American politics and I'm not anymore it's gonna be it's gonna be cool when you change more lives through your coaching and your book and we're gonna do part two tomorrow sure so we can actually talk about your yeah. your your book and your journey through the NFL uh, I, I always end on these questions so I'll have to come up with two more questions tomorrow yeah, when we do part two um, this will probably drop very end of 2022 beginning of 2023 so one what are you looking most forward to in 2023 and then I always ask this question, and I always say I should start with this question. I never do. What's your favorite movie? Ooh. So let me start with the second one. Favorite movie and why? So I want to say it, it 1994. And it's a, it's a movie that I hope a lot of people have seen. Um, stars Brad Pitt. Fight Club? No. Good good guess. Seven? Brad Pitt, Anthony Hopkins. Oh, uh, the one where they're on the planes. Oh, Jesus. Ju- Ju- Julia Ormond. Such a great movie. Um, 
Jesus it's, Christ. It's set in, in Montana. A River Runs Through It? No, that's no, a great one. That's I a, love that. That's a great movie, too. Legends of the Fall? Legends of the Fall. Such a great movie. He marries the Indian girl. She dies in the ambush with the sheriff. Yes. Oh, such a wonderful movie. So many themes run through that movie. Um, when his brother died, I oh, cried man. like a little bitch. That that movie, I it, it still pops up on Netflix or sometimes on HBO Max. Um Legends of the Fall is probably one of my favorite movies ever. Um, and that's always a hard question because I've got hundreds of favorite movies. Right, I mean, right. I loved Interstellar. I loved Avatar. I can't wait for Avatar 2. I know, me too. Avatar 2 was one of those movies, or Avatar was one of those movies that I left the theater and I was like, I don't think I'll ever be the same. That's like a leap forward in cinema for a lot of people. Yes, and, it, and it, it, Avatar took so many shots at these societal constructs that I don't know that, that if you were just a casual viewer, you may not have, have thought that deeply about it. And, and, but I, I left and was like, man, I'll never be the same after seeing that. It changed my thought process. It made me think on a deeper level. I love movies like that. Legends of the Fall, I remember I, remember I was a junior in high school when I first saw it, and I was like, man. This, it just touched me deeply that the the journey of of Brad Pitt's character Tristan that he went through yep that he got back to it was just I don't know the the first hour of that movie where you see the juxtaposition of Anthony Hopkins this is why I don't want to send my sons and yes. young men to war to the sons being like I'm going to war to oh fuck this is why you don't want to go to war like that that ebb and flow of that like if you're just a viewer you're like yeah dad's right and you're like yeah sons were right and you were like oh fuck dad was right like it's 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 a gut punch and a half dad was right but had he had he had he forced the sons not to go they would have never forgiven him yeah i know you know what i mean it's like yeah. they 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 the, the son that died would have resented him his entire life had yeah. he not. Go- I mean, th- again, that's what makes it so fantastic. And the love Wonderful story movie. between, yeah, you know, I mean, it just, so I love things like that. Um, to your second question, what I'm looking forward to in 2023, um, I can only speak personally because one of my core foundations as a coach in all of my, um, you know, seminars and workshops and consulting is, is a focus on what you can control. And I think one of the things that's that's um, really been, um, uh, you know, beneficial is probably an understatement. In my life in the last 15, maybe 20 years, was a shift into the idea of, of Focusing on what I can control. I know that sounds really elementary, right? But all of the best things I think are, you know, we've gotten so far gone and we'll talk about this, you know, probably tomorrow, but in my space, in the the coaching, personal development, self-improvement space, you know, I see all this shit about, you know, rewire your brain and and I, I love neuroscience and psychology and all these different things and meditate your way to seven figures and all that. Do the fucking work. Control what you can control. Do what needs to be done. And so for me, when I talk about, you know, what I'm looking forward to, for me personally, the only things I can control is my effort, my attitude. When I get 
hired to coach or consult or train my performance, what I can bring to the table. And so the focus for me is on building my business, making more money, having more clients because that means I can impact more people and to grow my business and grow my profile, my brand, if you will, because that's the only way that I can, I can make a bigger impact. Um, I struggled with that for a while, that idea of um, charging people a lot of money. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're, you're in the space to some yeah. degree. I mean, it, it's, I, I feel so fucking fortunate, dude. I played football for a living for all of my 20s. I retired when I was 31. I got paid to do uh, play a game, something I love to do. And now I get paid to speak. And I get paid to to share my experiences on high performance and being the best you can possibly be. From my experience at playing pro football, I get paid to share that with with small businesses and people in different industries. And I can't believe they pay me for it because I <laughs> truly because I I love what I do so much and I enjoy it so much that I I I wish I didn't have to charge anybody. But I've come to understand that that in order for me to impact a large number of people and get my message out and build my business, it takes money. And those who pay, pay attention. And so my focus in 2023 is on continuing to build my business and making more money so that I can impact more people, speak on bigger stages, and have more of, of uh, um, more ability to change the course of people's businesses, their lives, their relationships, etc. That that's my my number one focus because those are the only things I can control. Dude, that's the way to end part one of a seven hour podcast. <laughs> this was awesome. Dude. I love you, I man. I'll see you tomorrow. Love you too. All right, brother. <laughs>